listening to the Big Chill Podcast. This is episode 12 of the NFL Football Preview. Good evening, boys. I kind of wanted to start off and see if you uh, saw Arizona on the news the other day. The master magician, David Blaine, floated across northern Arizona holding helium balloons attached to his body, getting up to 25,000 feet for, I think it was almost an hour, and then parachuted back down. Did you guys see the beautiful views of northern Arizona? I only saw some news coverage of it. I didn't get any like real footage. I just saw the news story about it. I mean, it's a weird one to me. Hey, it's just like a copyright of the balloon boy guy. Didn't the balloon boy man or balloon man, didn't he do a similar thing? Are, are you talking about the kid? No, not the kid. Didn't some guy do it in the 90s? Something pretty similar. I think he used, I think if my memory is right, I think he used weather balloons instead of just like actual balloons. But I think he did fundamentally exactly the same thing. I don't, I don't remember that. All I know is it was a really weird, I, I mean, they're not magic tricks anymore. I don't know what you even call them. Feats of just stunts. He's a stunt man now. Yeah, he's he's basically that, like a, a weird stunt. version of Evil Knievel. <laughs> yeah, and a little bit <laughs> like Evil like Knievel. <laughs> a little bit like Evil Knievel. Whenever he does something, part of me is kind of hoping that he dies. Not because I want him to die, but because <laughs> you're like, it's not in. It's not fascinating unless there's a genuine risk of you dying. And Dude. then for the only way for me to know there's a genuine risk is at some point you have to die doing one of these things. Did um, any of the balloons burst during, because that would have been interesting if they were all like time to like pop over a certain period, then there would have been some edge to it. No, uh, it would have been even better if he had challenged someone to get in an airplane and try and shoot the balloons down. Now that would be a good stunt. I'm going to float in Northern Arizona and I want you to try and shoot me down balloon by balloon. And Eddie would have preferred that, I think. Just Eddie on the side of like, just kind of with an air gun, just trying to like pop them as he's going along slowly. Yeah, it was, I don't know, overall, it was just really strange. The whole, all of his stunts now are just getting stranger and stranger. Where this one, he spent months working on his breathing and his breathing technique and how to maximize his oxygen levels in his blood and, and all this. And I mean, he, he did get up to 25,000 feet, which is, Close to what commercial airplanes get up to. So that's pretty crazy just to be holding balloons, but you're still strapped in. That was the other thing that I don't like. They show him holding them, but he's clearly strapped in, you know? So. Well, fundamentally, all of his tricks now are breathing related. Like that's his obsession. How long can he hold his breath? How can he control his breathing? How that ties into his heart rate? Like that is basically all he does now. He's just like an expert breather. What a title. <laughs> well, yeah, like you've just boiled him down pretty basically there, haven't you? He's good at breathing. He's doing what every human does just a little bit better. Oh, I mean, way better. But it's like when he, have you ever seen the program where he taught celebrities how to hold their breath for longer? It was a part of his special on when he held his breath. No. And just if you follow his tips for holding, holding your breath, if you just do that a little bit, like, um, like a tiny bit of training, you can instantly basically hold your breath for four minutes. Well, clearly it's possible, but that just seems like brain depriving levels. 
Well, no, because I mean, that's the thing he basically teaches you is that your brain sends off sort of panic signals way before you actually have any sort of issues. Oh, so, so he's teaching your body, he's teaching you to ignore everything yeah. your body's telling you to stop said event. Well, to be fair, he does put a disclaimer in it. He doesn't actually tell you to do it. And, and he definitely tells you never to do it without anyone else around you. But the fundamentally, I mean, that's what he's doing, right? He's just overriding. That's how he can hold his breath for whatever he did, 20 minutes. Wasn't, isn't that how long he went? Close to 20 minutes. Wow. Yeah. I, I wonder if he had an obsession when he was younger, when younger kids do that thing where they breathe on their thumb as hard as they can until they pass out. <laughs> I wonder if he's had some weird- Wait, hold on a second. Like, Wait, what? You've never seen that? No. <laughs> like when younger kids used to like bite down and like try and like blow on your thumb as hard as you can oh, and it would make you lightheaded. Frank, Frank, is this some horrible moment when we're gonna realize that you were sexually molested <laughs> as a child? It wasn't a thumb. Yeah. Uncle Jimmy used to tell me I was doing breathing exercises. <laughs> I do have an Uncle Jim. <laughs> wow. Oh dear. Oh, dear. <laughs> he might be listening. <laughs> <laughs> You guys never did that type of stuff where like, I mean, we didn't regularly do it, but there were a, a good amount of people at our school that used to do stupid shit like that. The closest thing I would ever done to something like that is when you would go swimming and someone would be like, how long can you hold your breath underwater? Like that kind of like competition-esque thing, but never. Yeah, swimming, <laughs> never swimming for sure or doing. In my mouth. <laughs> swimming for sure or doing like full lengths underwater, holding a breath, all that kind of, like how many laps could you do underwater? that kind of stuff I've definitely done, but never just sticking something in my mouth and blowing hard. That's a whole different activity. Yeah. Here, Frank, put this hot dog in your mouth and see how long you can hold your breath. <laughs> I'm telling you, it's, it's a very, so many people used to do it when I was Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. It's like yeah. a, it's like Sam, a fainting I mean, game. Sam, Sam did a variation of it now, but that doesn't mean that it's a childhood activity. Yeah, learn to breathe through the nose. That's one of David Blaine's. What, uh, Frank, what fun, what fun childhood games did you have to get rid of your gag reflex? <laughs> what, like the prelude to doing that? Is that the kind of thing? So you've got to deal with the gag reflex before you can put your thumb in your mouth. I'm yeah, not saying yeah. you stick your thumb all the way down your mouth. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, Frank, you were just never good enough to do that. You never got onto that level. <laughs> you kept passing out. So how are you guys then? <laughs> yeah, good. Well, just had just had my thumb in my mouth, but yeah, it's all good. <laughs> yeah, I mean, pretty yeah, good. Least... Pretty sad about the uh, pretty sad about the arc though. Like so, just for kind of news purposes, um, we were going to the horse race next month. Uh, the Arc de Triomphe, but they've just announced that there probably won't be any crowd going in. So it's pretty sad that we won't be able to see what would have been a pretty awesome race. Well, Eddie's still confident he can get in. I don't think it, no, I can't get in, but I do know that there are areas around the track that you can see from the outside. So if you did want to just go and witness the race, you wouldn't be able to see the finish line, but you could go and see 60% of the race. And then you can probably see a big screen from where you're sitting. So if you really wanted to just like sort of witness the spectacle, you could you could do so. If I'm you went to um, if you went to Longchamp now, you could probably start digging outside, and then you know in about a month you might be on the inside of the track, Who and then you can watch I'm, it. That's not what I'm doing. I said I moved. Who knows where I moved to? 
But yeah, Frank, no, I'm, I'm fine. Thank you. Uh, at least I'm not reliving childhood trauma. So I've got that going for me. Yeah, you're just living your trauma in real time. Yeah. Are you sure <laughs> you're not, Eddie? Are you sure? <laughs> no, I've got so much trauma. I don't even have time to think back on all events. <laughs> I'm very much in the here and now. So I guess we got a lot to get into. And obviously, this episode, we're going to do our NFL preview, which I'm pretty excited to see what we're picking for division winners and maybe Super Bowl winners, uh, maybe talk about MVPs, things like that. Uh, but there's been a good amount of little tidbits of news. Uh, the first one that I thought was pretty funny that popped on my radar yesterday on Instagram was that Neymar and uh, Di Maria tested positive after their trip to Ibiza. And I thought long and hard whether I wanted to say Ibiza or Ibiza, and I'm going to stick with Ibiza because I don't want to be the, the Ibiza guy. But I thought that was pretty funny, and it made me wonder if it's COVID that they're testing positive for or something else that they tested positive for. And then it also made me wonder, is it worth the trip to get COVID to probably go and have the party that they are going to have specifically it's difficult. It's difficult to know if it was worth it without knowing how much thumb sucking was going on. But my guess is that they probably had a decent amount of fun. Thumb blowing, not thumb sucking. Oh, sorry. <laughs> it's pretty close. I mean, the thumb's still going in the mouth, right? <laughs> but uh, I mean, I think it's really, it's kind of mind blowing. I don't think that professional footballers need to sort of treat themselves as like slaves. I know not to use a word with so much weight, but just the fact that they, but it's, it's pretty irresponsible to, you would have thought in the couple of weeks that you had to, to actually go to the extent of leaving the country. I mean, at a time when everyone is sort of being discouraged from international travel to go to a place where you're definitely going to be interacting with large groups of people. And there's no way you're like doing activities in Ibiza and not, and wearing a mask like it's just not it's not not imaginable right. and i just think if you're a professional football footballer and your health is so important and also you know the implications for the league if you test positive which i think so psg's opening match now i think has been postponed yeah and it was already postponed tenth, i think yeah it was already postponed because of the fact that they were taking part in european competition so they've already the rest of the league has already played one match and then now i think they're gonna they will have each played a couple it's a little bit like the the celtic player who went to spain there's that moment when you know that the leagues and your teams are losing tons of money by continuing to operate and paying you your full salary so you have to make some sacrifice to ensure that they don't lose even more and i think that's the issue i have with it yeah, because it was the third person as well, uh, Paredes, I think it was. And I, I love the fact that no one cares about the fact that there was like a third PSG player that got it. It was like, hey, I'm on a holiday with these guys too, but no one cared. But yeah, for me, it's completely irresponsible. Like it, it just shows uh, like an out of touch aspect to footballers against like an, the kind of everyday, I guess, or the everyday fan or something like that. But I, I took a look at, because um, I'm guessing they'll have to quarantine now. For what a couple of weeks is it that they would have to quarantine well, 14 for? day 14 so, days I would imagine. yeah and because of that delay because of the buying game psg's four games coming up are the 10th of september the 13th the 16th and the 20th so it's kind of like so they've kind of messed up the first two right with this COVID test 
And then you just feel like the 16th and 20th as well. It just seems dumb for me that very key players for the PSG team would do something so close to the league kicking off. Because I also saw that Marseille's game was postponed because they had four confirmed positive tests. So you're in danger of like the league taking a look at itself and going, you're all being irresponsible. I'm not going to suggest that they get to the point where they stop it, but you're just giving people more ammunition to potentially delay it. And it just seems dumb for me. But Sam, didn't you see how upset Neymar was? Yeah, I mean, that's the other issue. That championship, he needed that vacation. He got to know. I think it's the other spin. He got over that fast. He went from being (laughs) he went from being. He needed that to get over it, Eddie. He was so distraught. If he didn't go to one of the highest, probably risks of COVID, you can go to for a party. He never would have been the same. His whole year could have been ruined. He needed that. He needed COVID. Yeah, I mean, in a way, right, it's probably perfect for Neymar because he gets to, I mean, the French League is going to be such a walk in the park for PSG this year. Not that it hasn't been for a while, but it just basically means Neymar gets to extend his holiday for a little bit and then sort of start playing again when when the Champions League is reappearing, which is all he will care about this year. Yeah, I mean, I think it was worth it. I can only imagine how amazing the parties were that they had, so. I have to say... at the end of the day, what does it matter two weeks for them? I mean, I can't think, and this is these might be totally wrong perceptions of them, and maybe if I met them in person, I would think, think differently. But I can't think of two scummier people to run into than Neymar and, and Di Maria. Yeah, I'm not saying I want to party with them, but I'm saying I'm sure they spend lavish amounts of money doing extremely exotic, lavish things. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure a lot of Instagram girls had some bar tabs paid for them. I'm sure that I'm sure that happened. I can't imagine I Di Maria is any fun. I I don't know why. I just look at Di Maria and I don't think he'd be any fun on a night out. Like oh, I can see it with Neymar. With makes, Sam, he makes a heart when he sell it, when he scores. Come on, he's a nice guy. Okay, perceptions changed, but yeah, I just look at him and I'm like, I no, I, I wouldn't even like want to go. He out looks like he's going to steal my wallet on the metro. But, wow. Okay. <laughs> that might be a little bit more. <laughs> this guy earning like half a million a week. Yeah, he just does it. Just, <laughs> he just, just does, does it. For it. The love of the game. Or, or because he listens to this podcast and now he's pissed off and now he's just tracking you, trying to steal your wallet. Yeah. No, it's just, you know, like he doesn't, neither of them care passionately about football as a profession, but they just, thievery and scummery, that's just. That's something that they just, that's, that's life. Oh, we're adding thievery now to you calling him scum. Okay. Well, I did say he looked like he would steal my wallet. I think that falls into the category of thievery. <laughs> no, you, know, like you never said he was going to keep it. Maybe oh, okay. he's... Yeah. No, that's true. He would just show me that he'd steal. Yeah. He'd be like one of those, one of those yeah. guys you see at like business conferences who like go up and like steal your belt and then be like, oh, look at this. I took your belt. Here it is. Stealing your belt. Yeah, what Wait, cool... what? What business conferences do you go to where people Eddie. rip your belt off? <laughs> the same ones where there's thumb sucking, I guess. Sorry, thumb blowing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Frank, if you haven't Whoops, been Whoops, got, got your belt off. Got your now belt. You gotta take your pants off. Loser. <laughs> yeah. No, um, you've never seen those things? It's like the professional pickpockets. And you'll see them at business events and stuff sometimes where they where there'll be like the entertainment, like instead of a business, like instead of a business conference, having like an interesting speaker or like a stand-up comedian do something to lighten the mood, they'll have like a professional pickpocket come up and they'll do like, oh, look, come on stage. And 
they can steal your watch and your wallet and your belt. The belt is the, you know, the, the top move. That's when they're really showing their skill because you'd think it's impossible to steal someone's belt when they're wearing it without them knowing, and then they'll do it to you. Are you sure these just aren't, the entertainment isn't just strippers and they're stealing all the money from your wallet and ripping your belt off? No, as and far by as stealing, you mean throwing at them. Yeah, yeah. I don't think, I am fairly inexperienced in the world of strippers, but I'm pretty sure that their focus isn't taking your belt off. So you take their belt off? I think if they- Very professional a, strippers. Like. Yeah, I, I think they would be- They just come out with a belt. That's the game. <laughs> yeah, we've, we've lost the plot a little here. Well, let's then segue into something Eddie will be very proud of his round one NBA predictions. Eddie went a solid eight for eight in his predictions, beating out Sam the Squid, who went a very respectable six for eight. And those two match, those two games were decided in game seven on the final play of the game for both series. It was very close to being eight for eight Sam's way or seven for seven or seven for eight for both of you guys. Any thoughts? Yeah. I mean, as I said, when I made the picks, right, they were all either heavy favorites or slight favorites. I mean, the, the Rockets uh, Thunder theory series and the jazz nuggets series, those were both kind of toss ups, but I'm not, I don't think going eight for eight was some incredible achievement. Like it's, it's, it's more amazing that Sam went six for eight, knowing nothing than me going eight for eight. Um, that being said, I still think the two best teams did win those game sevens and they won, they won the series. They should have won the series sooner. Like the nuggets kind of figured something out games, uh, five, six and seven that they should have figured out in the first four games. And, uh, and the thunder rocket series. I mean, the rockets are just a mess, even though they won, they're just a total mess. Does that happen a lot? like the kind of like final play win the game or is that a little bit fairy tale within like NBA? It happens a decent amount. It won't happen a lot in game sevens. I mean, the interesting thing in both of these plays, they weren't, the two teams failed on the final play. I mean, that's the thing is it, in a weird way, James Harden has spent his career being rightfully mocked for his terrible defensive play and defensive effort. And then his block to win the game may now go into the, like the top five, five most iconic plays of his career. So it's going to be one of those really weird things. I always think about that when you have athletes that like 15, 20, 30, 40 years from now, people will be watching like a James Harden career montage and they're going to see a defensive play as being one of the most meaningful. And then they might think James Harden was a good defender and he's awful. And then from the Jazz Nuggets, that was a terrible game seven. I'd argue probably the worst game seven I've ever watched in my life. And the final three series of plays encapsulated just how bad the fact that the fact that, you know, the Jazz inbounded the ball, turned it over. The Nuggets then could have basically just dribbled out the clock or waited until they were fouled to seal the game. Instead, went for a layup that they missed. Easy layup. I, I honestly think any one of us could have made that layup. Oh yeah, for sure. And then they go, and then they go down the other end, and Conley nearly makes the three that would have eliminated them. I mean, they're lucky because had Conley made that three, 
people would have been talking about the idiocy of like a attempting the layup, but B then missing the layup for a well, I'd say for a long time. It's the Denver Nuggets, so not for that long, but but as long as people are going to talk about a Denver Nuggets play for. Did you see the picture of how close that ball was to going in? Yeah, there's such a great video that three quarters of the ball is actually past the rim and then it pops back out. It was so close to dropping. Yep. And then my other one question for you is with your, with your um, Harden comment, do you think that he's going to be disappointed? That's going to be on all his highlight reels when he does that terrible stare down face for 10 seconds afterwards when people run up and start like hitting him, and he's just staring into nowhere. Well, I think, you know, that's the thing. I think NBA players as a whole suffer from this fact that like, cause Jordan had the iconic, like Jordan was one of those people who reacted to big moments so well, it looked natural just cause his personality, he just looked like he was supposed to be in that moment. And then you had Kobe Bryant who like looks as if he was trying to look like he was in that moment. So he did that weird one where he clenched his fist and bit his lip. The really weird one he did after, I think in the Suns playoff series, I think a few years ago. And I just think since then there's been a bunch of players who always have tried to react to a key play knowing in the back of their mind, it's not their natural reaction. It's always them thinking this is a big moment. I need to react to it the way someone reacts to a big moment. And they inevitably look stupid when they do it. It was, it was not the, the best look. So, no. I mean, and the Kobe any, Bryant one doesn't, the Kobe Bryant one's never going to get pulled up again, right? Because just like the fact that he raped someone, we can't talk about it because he had a careless helicopter pilot. <laughs> oh man, that's terrible. No, the summation there is one of the best things I've ever heard. I mean, it's true, right? Just to put it out there. Kobe Bryant. Eddie's a, Eddie, just, yeah. just for everyone, Eddie's opinion does not represent the opinion of the entire podcast. Well, yeah, my opinion is Kobe Bryant, Kobe Bryant definitely raped someone and the world doesn't care because he bounced the ball pretty well and died in a sad way. What about OJ? Take us, take us on to a lighter topic then, Frank. Okay. Now, what about the next round? Round, the round two. Round two yeah. selections. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So Sam the Squid's done pretty well here. Six of eight. I'm pretty happy with that. You're off to a good start. Yeah. I wouldn't. I wouldn't say. Okay. So, 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 yeah, Frank, give us give us the give us the round, round two, two picks. picks. We have Lakers versus the Rockets. That series has not started yet. You both took the Lakers, one seed versus the four seed. You then have Denver Nuggets, the three seed versus the Clippers, the two seed. You both took the Clippers. That series has not started yet either. Then we get into the Milwaukee Bucks, the one seed, versus the Miami Heat, the five seed. Eddie has taken the Milwaukee Bucks. Sam the Squid has taken the Miami Heat. Currently, this series is two to zero Miami Heat. So the Squid has a pretty good advantage here. I don't know what the current odds are to win the series. The Heat Heat are favorites now. Are they like heavy favorites now? Like a team should be up to own a series or I think is it they're, still kind of close? I think they're one to two favorites, something like that. Okay. What because were they this, before it started? Um, before it started, the Bucks were, I think, one to three favorites for the series, something like that. One to three to one to two. I think the odds have pretty much flipped 
but maybe not quite entirely, but, but near on flipped. You've gained massive value right now, Sam. Squid finds them. The squid finds them. Do, do you want to cash out your bet? <laughs> no. Well, the, the, yeah, I mean, it's an interesting one. Well, and we maybe talk about the Bucks series in more detail because there's an interesting talking point about that. But I guess you can speak yeah. about the, the, the final series the, before. Yeah. So the last series is the Toronto Raptors, the two seed versus the Boston Celtics, the three seed. Eddie has taken the Raptors. Sam the Squid has taken the Celtics. The Celtics are also up 2-0 on that series. So out of the two you guys have differently, right now, Sam the Squid has a pretty substantial advantage. Yeah, I'd be, I mean, I would be amazed if I go 4-0 <laughs> in this round. <laughs> that being said, I'm, I'm a little bit annoyed with myself because if anyone listened to the, can remember from the picks I made in round one, I instantly made my round two predictions at the same time. And in those round two predictions, I predicted that the Celtics would beat the Raptors in round two. And I changed my mind because Gordon Hayward is out. And I thought that the lack of scoring options would hurt the Celtics. As it turns out, I mean, Gordon Hayward hasn't been a particularly good Celtics player. <laughs> I mean, it's unlucky because he, he broke his leg sort of 15 seconds into his Celtics career. <laughs> but I would, he seemingly not having him on the court makes the Celtics a better team. So, so I think you never know with the Raptors because they're obviously extremely well coached and there's a chance that they might figure things out. But at the moment, it's looking like they're sort of outgunned. Yeah. And what was it that you want to say about the Buck series? The Buck series, the question is quickly becoming, is Giannis a genuine superstar? Yeah, I saw there was a tweet. I forget who it was from, but it basically said Giannis is turning out to be Scottie Pippen and he needs to find his MJ was the... I think that's a real insult to Scottie Pippen right now. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's a huge insult to Scottie Pippen. An insult to Scottie Pippen in the sense, not comparing him to Giannis, but saying that Scottie Pippen was basically like a clear number two. Well, but he wasn't though, right? I mean, that's the thing. Scotty Bibbon accepted the role of the number two. I think if, if he decided earlier in his career to go elsewhere, I mean, he, you know, he gets a hard time and people remember the playoff game when he refused to come back in against, against the Knicks. But they also forget the fact that Jordan left and they were still a really good team. So it's, even as a number one, he did his role well. But to me, the Giannis question is, is like you sometimes have players in different sports who are regular season superstars over the course of a long period of time they'll just grind out performances my issue with Giannis is even during the regular season late in a game if it's a close game he doesn't seem able to dominate a game and take it over and he definitely doesn't seem to be able to score easily so when you're looking at this heat buck series you're seeing jimmy butler for the heat kind of take over the game in the final two minutes both games have been close going going into the final stages and Giannis, on the other hand, I mean, the only real contribution he's had so far in the final, in these first two games is fouling Jimmy Butler as time expires of the game two so that Jimmy Butler shot. Now, I don't think that was a foul. That, that's one issue I would have with it. But well, still, it, it yeah, was a bad I, play. I mean, that's, that's something we can, you, you know, you're arguing against the rule there, I think. because So for people who didn't see it, uh, Butler had the shot to end the game they were tied he releases the ball with like 0.3 seconds left 
and then Giannis tries to block him, doesn't actually touch him before he releases the ball, but after he releases the ball, he puts his hand onto like his this, his side, basically onto Butler's side. The rule, I mean, is pretty clear that there's contact, and he contacted him, and he affects how he can come down after his shot. So it's a foul. Whether that should be a foul, I mean, it didn't affect the ball leaving. It didn't affect anything really about the shot. So I, I hate that. I hate that the NBA does that. And it was the exact same for the play before. Yeah, when they were, the, the refs Bucks, were at least consistent. The, the Bucks went to take a three. They were down three, so they went to take a three to tie the game. And the Heat guy just stood there, but he like kind of leans a little forward. Doesn't affect the release of the shot, but affects the ability of the shooter to come down naturally. It was such a weak call. I mean, both of those calls. And that's what I hate about the NBA is anything's, any contact's a foul. Whether they're shooting, not shooting, the ball's gone, whatever. So they were both really, really weak calls. But the other thing was he didn't need to make that foul. He was nowhere near being able to block that shot. Like it was just a stupid attempt. And you know the risk of fouling someone with no time left with the game tied is the dumbest thing you could want to do. So even in that sense, like is he the elite game winner that he can't understand that you don't foul someone tied with no time left, you know? Yeah, I mean, two things I'll say on that. You're right in the in the kind of interpretation of the rule. The only thing I'll say is typically in almost every sport, on like the final play or in the final minute of a game, normally the interpretation of the rules sort of everything gets loosened a little bit. So you would think that to call a foul literally as time expires. I mean, in some ways it's admirable from a from a referee or an official to call a game as if like to always ignore the scoreboard and the time of the match. But I would have said, if you know that someone's going to literally be shooting in a tied game to win the game as time expires, that that needs to be a really, really clear foul to call it as a foul. And if not, you just say, okay, guys, go to overtime. And you can even tell from the reaction, reaction of the Heat players, like Jimmy Butler doesn't react as if he's been fouled. Yeah, no, it was very minimal. I don't think he was fouled before he, he realized, before he like saw the act call of the ref you think he landed and took a shot saw it missed and thought it was going to overtime yeah and and my Giannis thing here's the issue because he has an unusual basketball background he's clearly still improving as a player so there's no doubt that two or three years from now he's probably going to be hitting his prime and so there's could be a huge development between now and then that being said sometimes when people talk about him and talk about him not living up to the moment or not being quite the sort of finished product. They talk about him as if he's still this young sort of up and coming player. I think he's 27 now. So like 27 is pretty late to, you, you, you are close to being what you're gonna be by 27, even if you have had an unusual path. And that to me is the concern with Giannis is, is he gonna get to this level where you kind of realize, we're well, gonna realize one or two things. One that he probably, he might not be able to be the number one player on a title-winning team. And the second thing might be that the Milwaukee Bucks are the perfect team for Giannis. Yeah. I mean, it's still early in the series. Maybe he can change the opinion a little bit. I, don't I know. wouldn't we'll write see. off either series. I just want to say that. I think that in – obviously, it goes without saying, game three is huge because if you're down 3-0, it's over. You're not going to win four yeah. in a row. So game three in the Celtics-Raptors game – 
uh, series is pretty soon, actually. It tips off in for us in about 30, 40 minutes. The, uh, I think that both, I mean, they are both favorites for those individual matches. And if they both win, if either one of them wins game three, in the Bucks case, I would then make them favorites to win the series. In the Raptors-Celtics case, I would make the Raptors still slight underdogs. But I think they both have a genuine chance of coming back from two down. Yeah, but, I mean, Squid's got to be feeling pretty confident, right? Yeah, I'm hoping not. (laughs) Well, I would be amazed if I put it this way. I'm not going to beat him this round because best-case scenario, I would say, one of those teams comes back from 2-0. And then, in addition to that, we have the same two picks in the other two series. So my best-case scenario is 3-1, and and... If I go three and one, Sam has also gone three and one. So I don't think there's a scenario in which I am I am beating him in this one. Yeah, I, I think I would agree with that. I, I think I would feel confident that one of your O2s can come back, but I it it's gonna be tough for both to come back. I agree. And then I guess in addition to that, we really won't touch on it today because it'll be better to wait till the next podcast because the games will be finished, but Sam and I are in a dead heat right now for round two of the hockey playoffs. Sam's already won his first series, the lightning over the Bruins. And right now we have the other series are at three to two, three to two, and the Avs and Dallas are going into a game seven tomorrow. So today the Islanders flyers play and Vegas um, Canucks play. So going into the weekend will either have three game sevens or two game sevens uh, or potentially Frank will be up and looking, looking to win outright in his game seven. So a lot to look forward to in these next two days for hockey between me and Sam the squid, but again, has to be feeling pretty good. He's already got one series in the pocket. I love how, cause this exercise could have just gone the complete other way, right? I could have picked eight randomly being probably not over eight or anything like that because you know it's, it's only one of two so 50 percent chance but it's been good how competitive it is but also it's been interesting that the ones usually where i've picked the worst team have at least still in some way being competitive like even like the flyers canadians like right at the start that was the the clear one that wasn't going to happen it it all well it actually went a lot closer than frank said and then the um like recently at the moment the heat you know two up at the moment and they were the fifth seed i think he said against the first and they're two up so it's it's pretty fun how the ones that i've gone against the grain completely unintentionally have actually somehow turned up to be competitive no i agree that is that is the best part about it is you're legitimately picking upsets and then also picking the clear favorites at the same time like it's as if you know when to when to roll the dice and when to just play the favorite somehow it's it's pretty amazing well, I think with the exception probably in the NHL of maybe picking against the Ve- against Vegas and picking uh, and the one versus eight in round one, with the exception of those picks, I think if you sent your picks to someone and said like, oh, someone's picked these, someone who knows the leagues has picked them, I think, all, I think that would be believable. And to me, that's the most astounding thing. Whether or not you end up being right or wrong, it's just that the same with your NBA picks. You pick this. You pick the five series that everyone thought were going to be. There was going to be a clear winner. You picked all five of those correctly. 
Then there was a remaining three that were kind of up for grabs, one of which was the Heat were pretty heavy favorites against the Pacers. You pick the Heat. And the other two were kind of a coin flip. And, okay, you got them wrong, but you still identified the coin flip series. And that, to me, is the more remarkable thing. We should probably keep going with this. There might be like betting opportunities. Like maybe I have some sort of like weird gift in sports that I don't know. Maybe yeah. we should trial this with like another sport kicking off. No, soon. we figured it out. You're Sam the Squid. You're a new version yeah. of the octopus. Yeah. Eddie, and I agree. I feel like it's one of those things where we could take his picks and send it to an expert and they would see it and be like, oh yeah, lightning over the Bruins. Oh, I definitely see where he's going with that. You know, the Lightning got a lot of talent. They're playing really strong. The Bruins look a little slow, a little sloppy. You know, like they could just fill in the blanks and all Sam's done is pick a fucking name out of a hat. And, and they're, they're acting some, as if he has some, some crazy sense of how the teams match up against each other. You know, it's like, oh, that one. Oh, that's a great pick because they match up really well against that team, you know? And Sam's just like, ooh, Canucks. I like that name. Yeah, Canadians are good at hockey, right? Yeah. It's kind of like the, it's kind of the classic, like picking a pretty name in horse racing, isn't it? It's kind of like, oh yeah, well they could do it, but we should we should try and find maybe like another sport as well, and we should see if I can pick anything and give it to someone. Well, we got we're not too far, Sam. We're not too far off the uh, baseball playoffs. Yeah, that would be good because my so, knowledge is be probably good. NHL level. Like I I wouldn't be able to. I know some, maybe a couple of the names, like the really famous ones, but yeah. yeah some, was... of whom, some of whom are good. That, again, is the issue. The couple names that you know this year actually are, are good teams. So that's the downside. But still, there's going to be a lot of names that won't ring any bells for you, and that's going to be the okay. interesting thing. Yeah. And I also think, too, with everything going on COVID-related, that some of the teams might not even be at 100% or you know, rotations might be messed up and relievers might be out and Sam will have no idea of that. So it's, it's a good year to do it in where there's going to be some teams that are probably normally really good, but might be thrown into a weird situation with everything going on. Yeah. Well, I guess since Sam has mentioned horse racing, the other thing we should mention is the Kentucky Derby is this weekend. The normally two months earlier that's been pushed back. So it's in oh, a weird normally, situation. Normally four months earlier. It's normally the beginning of May. I thought it's the first week of June. First week uh, of May? First week of May. I think it's the fir first, first week of May. First week of May, and now it's the first week of September. Wow, that's crazy how many months have gone by. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, so normally it's before the Belmont, but obviously now it's after the Belmont which was won by Tiz the Law, who's the hot favorite for this one. I think he's four to six right now for, for the morning line. Yeah, something but, around there, depending on, I think you can get close to even money-ish some places if you really look hard, but he's odds on yeah. everywhere. I mean, the issue is you can't bet best odds in the U.S., so anyone who's betting him in the U.S. is going to have to take him. Oh, you can't, you can't, bet, you can't bet best odds on U.S. races here either but you can bet you can bet fixed odds at least yeah yeah, yeah the, it's all fixed yeah. odds you, you could choose sp or you could yes. switch on you could do tote betting if you really wanted to but yeah yeah if, if but there are no fixed right odds now, in the u.s yeah it's because it's a tote system right but yeah yeah unfortunately yeah i have nothing inside the kentucky derby 
I think Tizzle will win, and that's not a bold prediction, but yeah, it's hard to see it being beaten. Yeah, same. Uh, one thing I will say, though, was in the Belmont, when I did a little bit of looking at it for this, was it's a really impressive horse when it turns onto the straight, just how it really powers away at that point. And it was, it's just great because obviously we've seen other horses and uh, win in different ways, but it's really impressive to see like on the turn for home, just how quickly that horse just comes out and just completely powers them out. That was really impressive to watch. I mean, the other yeah, thing, and... argue, uh, the other thing you'd argue too is like, American horse racing, the Kentucky Derby, in a way, probably needs Tis the Law to win to try and move on from the controversy of the year before. So if you now have this very good horse winning the Kentucky Derby, potentially winning the Triple Crown, that that covers up for everyone will forget about 2019 and, and the disqualification. Yeah, and to build off Sam's point, um, the distance for the Belmont this year is now the same as what the Kentucky Derby is. So there's going to be no issue if he can get the distance or if it's too short, too long or anything like that. So, I mean, based off of that alone, let a, and then add in what he did at the Travers where he dominated the field again. I mean, he's going to be hard to beat. It's basically him versus all Bob Baffert's horse. He's sending, I think three over. And I mean, I guess that means it depends how many, how much, how many steroids Bob Baffert has pumped his horses full of. <laughs> That's true. And I actually, so Eddie is referencing his positive test, one of which was Gamine. I think that's how you pronounce it, Gamine, uh, who is undefeated except for the DQ from testing positive. Uh, undefeated and, every, everywhere except for him in a lab. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Over one in a lab. Yeah. Can't the drug one. test. Yeah, it's like six and zero on the track. Zero and one in the lab. <laughs> She's racing in the Kentucky Oaks, uh, and I'm gonna favor sticking with Gamine. It's gonna be between Gamine and Swiss Skydiver. Would be my one-two for that, and that's not anything crazy. They're the two favorites, but they seem to be pretty stand out. Um, so, I... I think that's gonna be a better race though than the than the Kentucky Derby because there's a lot. There's a lot better horses, I think, in there. Again, not not a huge amount of knowledge with kind of dirt and the um, the kind of US racing. But when I looked at the race, I actually think there's a lot of good value in speech. At about, I saw it at about six or seven to one. And the only reason being, like I said, a bit of basic research was that it ran the Ashland Stakes on the same race card day as um, Swiss Skydiver over the same trip and it beat the course record at Keeneland. It ran quicker on its last outing than Swiss Skydiver, and it finished second to Gamine. Uh, and a lot of people thought that was a pretty bad loss, apparently, from the commentary I read. But what, what I just find interesting about it is you've got a horse that ran the same trip, the same card, broke the course record, and is third in the betting against with skydiver so i i just from from that logic alone and i saw i thought six seven to one that i saw at trading that was good value yeah I, it, it and the race that got second to gamine i think it was a pretty close finish it wasn't like gamine blew by i don't think because that i believe was the first race and then since then gamine has been dominant the last race at one i think 20 lengths it was insane 
the other horses weren't even in the frame the last race Gamine won so I still think it's she's gonna be Wonders tough to beat, of but... science yeah <laughs> so yeah I think the Oaks is gonna be a good one that's on Friday and then the Derby's on Saturday <laughs> I said I look forward to the day that Bob Baffert just loads a Ferrari into the stalls and just just wins the Kentucky Derby himself <laughs> I could just imagine them loading in the horses and you just hear this Ferrari revving as they try and shoehorn it sideways into, <laughs> into a stall. Is he driving it or is his jockey driving oh, it? He's driving it. He's, he's always wanted to win a race himself, so he, he just drives it. No, the jockey's just hair, on top of it, the Ferrari just whipping it. Is it his distinctive <laughs> hair flowing in the wind as he, as he, yep. plus, he just runs horses over <laughs> over the course of the race, doesn't even avoid them. He exploits a loophole in the rules because you can't you can't like award the race to another horse because none of the others finish. <laughs> yeah, the horse needs to be living by the end of it to be counted. The jockeys yeah, the are US just dragging that, the horses. Oh, jockeys are dead too. And the US <laughs> has that system right where the jockeys have to for the stewards' inquiry, the jockeys have to call it up, and there's no jockeys to like file complaints you're just dragging the corpses up to the steward's box <laughs> you do you have anything to say yeah, you've got no, anything to add <laughs> he's silent oh this guy does he have anything to say no he's silent too oh look at that I'm well running. he's just like he's just like moving his head up and down and sideways it's like a puppet <laughs> put the red roses around me now uh, yeah so i'll give my I think for the Derby, I like Tis the Law to win. And then I think it's going to be second to fourth is going to be Honor AP, Thousand Words, and New York Traffic, I think would be a good, put those together with Tis the Law to win would be a good superfecta. So that's going to be my pick because there's no value in Tis the Law. So once, it, especially in the States, once you it know, goes off, I'm you sure. Know what I should, you know what I like to say, Frank? Is there no value or where else can you get that kind of return in three minutes? You're right. You're right. Unfortunately, I think I maxed out my withdrawals this month, so I can't withdraw the 10,000 to win a thousand. So anything else you guys wanted to talk about before we get on to our NFL preview? So Frank, for the duration of the Kentucky Derby, do you think you could blow on your thumb for the length of the race constantly? No. First off, if I'm going to get corrected for how to say things, in America, it's the Kentucky Derby, not the Kentucky Derby. And second of all, I would be out cold before they hit the backstretch. <laughs> all right. So then let's, let's get into our NFL preview, which I still cannot believe the NFL starts next weekend. I think it – I mean, obviously, it has to, a lot to do with no preseason games. It just feels strange that they're just picking up and starting. And I think that adds some intrigue into the season because you have a lot of new players on new teams. And it's going to be interesting to see how they play without any real game day experience. I mean, you can have scrimmages amongst your team, but you know, not having Tom Brady actually be on the field for the Bucks or Cam Newton actually on the field for the Pats at least for a quarter or two could make a little bit of a difference, just getting into a rhythm with his players. Um, and then the other big thing I saw 
that's going on, I think is pretty interesting is because of all the COVID related stuff, there's no filming really of any of the practices. There's no one coming to watch the practices. There's no preseason games, no scrimmage games. So teams are being extremely secretive about what they release where several teams have fired their media relations people because they're releasing even 10, 15 second Instagram clips of their practices because these teams now want to be super secretive. So no one sees the formations they're running and plays they're running, which is, I think a little crazy because I mean, you're not changing your offense and your defense that much from the year before. So I think it's a little overboard and I think everyone's trying to do this Bill Belichick super secretive mentality. Um, but it, it, it does just add an interesting wrinkle to the, to the start of the season. Yeah. Plus I don't really get that. Cause even if you have something super secretive up your sleeve, either it's one or two particular plays you're saving for a big moment. If not, if it's a, just a completely different approach by week three, everyone will get it. Like you can, it's not like you can keep it a secret the entire season and suddenly unleash it in the Super Bowl. So, okay. Maybe you've, you've, you know, switched formations or something, but by week three, people will have adapted to it. So all you could possibly be doing is keeping a secret. So you surprise the team week one. And for most teams, their week one matchup isn't a huge one. And even if you win a big matchup in week one, it's not going to change your season. Yeah. And the Cardinals did that last year with Kingsbury during preseason. He didn't do any of their spread formation uh, he didn't really have um, Murray run around and things like that. And then they came out and they didn't <laughs> dominate the first few games, you know, so all that secrecy probably ended up hurting them. They could have practiced a lot of that stuff in preseason and gotten better because once Murray had, you know, a few games under his belt, he definitely got a lot better than he was at the beginning of the year. So, you know, there could well, be argu- King, arguments that he was probably too dis- Kingsbury was probably too distracted just visiting homes, so he he didn't have time. <laughs> First few weeks, he was just just spending all his time with his realtor. He didn't he didn't have time to to actually work on plays. Yeah. All right. Back with a uh, a different connection and a slightly probably different sounding voice, but I guess we we may as well keep going with uh, just division by division picks. Do you want to start off with the uh, AFC East? Maybe the most changed division. Uh, in some ways. Yeah. Yeah. So you've got the Bills, the Pats, the Dolphins, and the Jets. The big news, obviously, with the Pats no longer having Tom Brady, the Belichick era is officially over. But in true Patriots fashion, they go out and somehow snag a, a, I wouldn't say he's, you know, a top 10 anymore, but he's, an above average QB when everyone thought they were going to be stuck with, you know, a first year backup turned starter. Right. So somehow they get lucky and get a QB and a QB who has a lot to prove and has a chip on his shoulder. So it might push him to have one of his better years he has. So, you know, it's, it's the Patriots way, I guess, to kind of always get lucky and things like that. But yeah, I mean, mean, they're, They're lucky just because anyway, their division is not the strongest. So even with that turnover, even if they had sort of stayed with a sort of relatively unknown quarterback, you would have still given them a chance of making the playoffs just because of how weak their division is. 
but yeah, the yeah. fact that they then managed to bring in a former MVP, uh, who's who's you know by no means, oh, you know, super old, maybe consistently injured, but 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 not a, you know, not ancient, um, not frail. Uh, you know, no. I think I think they've they've got a chance of of staying competitive, which is pretty surprising given that not only the loss of Tom Brady, but also the the amount of turnover they've had defensively because of the number of players who opted into the uh, the COVID offer. Yep. Yeah. And also losing Gronk as well. So it's huge amounts of upheaval, right? Well, Gronk wasn't around last year, but I guess you can make the case that Gronk didn't come back to them, right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, they've, they've still hadn't managed to replace him, but now, yeah, they would have thought if he was coming back in the league, he was at least coming back to them and, and that didn't even happen. So I, so I yes. think the easier way, the easier way to pick apart this division is to kind of eliminate the bottom two, which I think should be eliminated from being able to win the division. I mean, do you agree? I, I don't. I don't think the Jets or the Dolphins are good enough to win this division. No, I I agree. Yeah, yeah. and I mean the, the the only thing I'll say about the Jets is. Darnold's really young. I think people forget to realize he's only 23 and he's in his third year already. That's a pretty crazy thing to think about in the NFL to be he, in your third year and be 23. Is he over his mono yet? <laughs> yeah, hopefully. I don't know. He seems like the person who takes eight, eight years to get over his mono. Um, but I, I kind of, I'm not, I was never a Darnold fan when he played for USC He's very erratic. He makes good throws, and he makes the most bonehead throws ever. But you kind of feel bad for him a little bit that the Jets just don't give him any anything to work with. I mean, you have another offseason where they really didn't get any weapons, and there were people available to pick up, to trade for. I mean, we'll, we'll get to the Bills. We can talk about them, but the Bills are surrounding Allen with at least some talent. I mean, the Jets – just, I don't know what they think. They get Le'Veon Bell, who who I've said from when that whole thing went down, that he's going to get too much money for what he is. You know, he's just another running back. Well, also reports reports, suge- reports suggest that Bell is, is going to be off the team. Yeah. So, uh, so he, he doesn't even have Bell. Here's the only thing I disagree with you on. If you're going to be bad, although – the NFL doesn't reward bad teams quite to the extent necessarily that say the NBA does because having the fifth pick in, in the first round doesn't guarantee you like a, a game changing superstar for your franchise. But if you're going to be bad, you may as well be bad. And there was no scenario in which the jets could have put enough weapons around Darnold to turn them into a playoff team in my mind. So you may as well save the money not commit yourself to stupid contracts like in the way they did with Bell, which is rush out, try and get a big name, sign him to a big deal because then you feel like you're getting better. So in a way, the more conservative approach gives them more hope in a division that is going to probably become increasingly open over the next two or three years. It's probably the right move. Yeah. And then the Dolphins, I think the big storyline with the Dolphins is when does Tua come in? Does he you know, come in. I, I think recent things have said he's not going to be the week one starter um, because you have an Eddie favorite already there to start. Well, this is the interesting thing, right, with the Dolphins is I absolutely hate Fitzpatrick. 
and you hate Hawaiians. So you mean between the, magic? Yeah. So between the two of them, it's like no matter what, one of us is going to be hating the person playing quarterback for them. Yeah. Yeah, that's absolutely. Oh, true. interesting and, fact. Interesting fact. Did you know Fitzpatrick went to Harvard? And did you know he has a lot of kids? Because I think the NF, I think I think Fox or CBS they should tell us that every week because we don't know it. Also, he's kind of quirky. Oh, you stole it! I was literally just gonna say. And did you know he's kind of quirky? <laughs> I was gonna use the exact same word and everything. Wait, how many kids does he have? I think he has like seven kids. Nah, that's quite a lot. That's, that's a lot of breeding. Yeah, I, I mean, I think that is the big storyline. There's always this argument, right? Do you start a quarterback in his first season knowing that it's going to be a rebuilding season just to give him reps but potentially get him massacred on the field? Or do you let him get a full year of just watching, training, learning, and then put him in? And, you know, I, don't, I still don't think there's a real good consensus on what is better. So, Well, with Tua, it's I, probably – with Tua, it's probably easier because even if he is, even if he did recover a little bit faster than they thought he was going to recover, he's still coming back from a really serious injury. So giving him an extra month or two months, particularly when you didn't have a real preseason, giving him that extra time to just make sure everything is 100% right, right? Because you don't want to send him in in week two for a team that, again, isn't going to make the playoffs and then have him blow his knee out again just because you wanted to make fans, and, and, any, and in particular, too, with no fans in the stadium. So it's not even like you're going to have like stadium pressure to put the, put the new guy in. Yeah, or have a reason to sell tickets to come watch your new potential superstar, Exactly. Right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So who then, who's your pick to win the division? So that brings me to my pick to win the division, the Buffalo Bills. I think they're doing the right things where they've now picked up Stefan Diggs, which is a pretty good pickup. And they drafted Moss from Utah, who I watched a bunch of times having to be on the West Coast and watch a lot of the Pac-12. I think they have a pretty solid team now. I mean, Josh Allen, he's, again, he's not a top five, top 10 QB, but he's a good QB and he's a tricky QB to defend because he can run really well and their defense is still solid. They didn't really lose much from their defense and, you know, it's always been the strength of their team the past few years. So you have a solid defense and you have a building offense and a more experienced offense. And I don't think, I mean, you rely, the Patriots are basically relying on Newton Edelman and Sony Michelle. Is that enough to win a division? Those three names? I don't, I don't think so. I mean, Edelman's good. Well, you're you're leaving. Sony you're leaving Michelle's the big good, name. but Frank, the you're leaving name? the Bill Belichick. Yeah, you're right. But I think it's only going to take it so far, and I, I I I think the Bills. I don't know who's favored actually to win the division. I just have so, to assume it's the Patriots, right? No, the Bills are favorite. Wow. Not by yeah, it's pretty close. But this is the first time since 2003 that the Patriots have not been favorite to win the. AFC East, and the Patriots have won the division the last 11 seasons in a row. Wow. That's crazy. I'm going to go with the Bills as well. Uh, I like Josh Allen. Like Frank said, defensively, I I just think they're going to get stronger. I was reading today, Josh Allen was talking about the fact that he feels like he's got to grips a lot more with the offense as well. And I just think the Patriots have had too much change and upheaval. But 
it'll be those two at the top for sure. Uh, I think the Bills. I actually think the Bills are potentially the second best team in the AFC. Wow. That's crazy so, to even say that. Wow, that's quite, that's quite strong. So I think the Bills will win the division. I think the Patriots will make the playoffs, but I think the Bills will win the division. And I think the Bills have an outside shot of uh, winning the Super Bowl. Wow, that is bold. What's their price? Like 40 to 1? I'm not sure what their price is. Yeah, I'm not the man to ask with my current uh, internet setup. <laughs> but, uh, but I mean, they must be. They're pro- my guess is they're probably sixth or seventh favorites in the betting. But I mean, I, in a way, I kind of don't want you to look because before you look, who do you think is okay. the favorite to win the Super Bowl? Uh, I'm going to go Chiefs, Bucks, Ravens, Niners. Uh, I was going to say Ravens or Chiefs. Yes, yeah, so the Ravens are favorites. And then it, it's Ravens, Chiefs, Niners. So right but now I, I have – oops, sorry. I have Chiefs over the Ravens, 6-1 to one versus 13-2. to two. They're basically tied. And then Niners, Saints, Bucks, and then it just drops from there. So what are the odds on the Bills? The Bills? Not even on the board? Yeah. <laughs> 25 to 1. I think that's probably, uh, when I say outside chance, I think that 25 to 1 is probably fair value. But I think there's every chance when we're talking about going into the playoffs, I think that Bills will be significantly shorter than 25 to 1. I think by, play, by the time the playoffs start the Bills will be like 14 to 1 to win, win a Super Bowl. If they make it. You mean if they make it, isn't if the season makes it that far? Yeah, that's kind of crazy that... Uh, no, you're saying if when the Bills go to the playoffs, they'll be 14 to 1. No, I'm saying when the playoffs start. So I'm not even going to factor in the conditional of them making the playoffs. They are 100% going to make the playoffs. <laughs> okay. Uh, that's it's just crazy to me that all three of us are picking against Pats, but I mean it's a completely new team. So, but again, this is I. It's interesting because everyone said when you separate Belichick and Brady, we'll finally figure out if it was Belichick or if it was Brady. But the way that both of those. Play, the player and the, surrounded themselves with other people, it still makes it kind of difficult to know whether it's the player or the coach. Because if Brady goes out and does really well, yeah, okay, Brady's great, but they've surrounded him with a lot of talent right off the bat, you know? So, and the same with Belichick. I mean, if Belichick with what's his face, uh, what's, who is going to be QB, Stanham or whatever, it would have been yeah. one thing, but now. You know, you've got Newton, so it's not like he doesn't have anybody. I would so, still say if if, but, if, right. if if both of them made the first round of the playoffs and lost, it's a much better achievement from the Patriots than it was from the Bucks. Yeah, I, I would agree there. I think it's a good assessment. But then I uh, guess so we moving. Hit. Well, let's do. We talked about the Ravens' Super Bowl chances, so why don't we? Uh, 
why don't we go AFC North, see what we think of their divisional chances. Yeah. So AFC North, I think we can maybe start bottom up again. Um, so you have two contenders, I think, and two pretenders. Um, I, I'll start with the Steelers. I think the Steelers are done. Um, I think this is the beginning of the rebuilding for the Steelers. They don't have much talent. You're trusting a QB who is known to not train very hard in the offseason to come back from a year-ending injury at age, what, 37 now? Have you, have you seen um, him, Frank? No. What does he look like? Oh, he is so skinny. He is, no way. He, yeah, yeah, he is so skinny. Skinny good or skinny like he's frail? Are we, are we doing well, any he, frail terms? Are we doing frail again? <laughs> he, well, he got really big during the offseason. You did see some videos of him during, during the, the like lockdown and stuff, and he clearly was not working out at all. But he yeah. now is he's as skinny as he's been in years. I mean, he there's it's and it's difficult with Big Ben, right? Because part of what made Big Ben a good player was his ability to take hits, and part of that was kind of related to his size. So, yeah, does he? It's it's in his name. <laughs> yeah. So does he become less effective by being skinnier? But you would definitely have to imagine in terms of his actual mobility. Uh, he might be winding back the clock about 10 years in his, in his new shape. Wow. I did not see that. So I guess that does add a little wrinkle, but I, I still, I mean, they don't have that much talent on their team. Playmakers. What do they have? Juju Smith Schuster. I mean, you have uh what's his face at running back, but I, I, I'm not sold that he's the greatest. You know, it's a great story, but is Connor is Connor a top five, ten running back? No, you know. So I mean, I I, I agree with you, but I agree with you because, as I kind of teased uh, a few weeks ago, my hot take is the Browns are making the playoffs. I mean, it's not as hot, maybe as it's not going to be my hottest NFL take, but I'm definitely shooing in the Browns to be top two in this division and to potentially win this division. Yeah. I mean, something to be said, yeah, though, the Steelers what... last year did go eight for eight. Uh, sorry, eight and eight without Ben for the entire season. So there's something to be said for the team, right? They still won eight of 16 games without Ben. So they, they've now got Ben back. And granted, not much has changed or not many people have left. But if Ben comes back and he plays a full season, are they going to be better than winning eight? Maybe. So I, I don't know. I, I just think maybe the Steelers aren't going to drop off as much as you said. But. Well, Mike Tomlin has never had a losing season, right? So in, if we're going on this historical sort of approach, you should definitely take the Patriots to win the division because that's just what they do. And you shouldn't expect the Steelers to have a losing season because they don't do that under Tomlin. And if they were going to have a losing season last year, probably would have been it as you touched on. But even if they're eight and eight, nine and seven, in a pretty strong division that's not making the playoffs. Yeah. And I, I think the issue is they're going to have trouble finding eight wins in a division where you potentially aren't going to get, you're going to go Owen two against the Ravens Owen two against the Browns. So now out of your six within division games, you can maybe only win two of those. So 
Um, and then real quick, I guess we can just cover the Bengals. In one sense, I'm happy the Andy Dalton era is over. I just can't stand watching him play. So I, you know, I don't know how much better they're going to be with Burroughs. I will give, see now this is an instance where I give the team credit at least Burroughs has something to throw to. I mean, he's got AJ Green, he's got Tyler Boyd, John Ross, uh, and then they picked up uh, what's his face from Clemson, um, T. Higgins. Uh, Hold on a second, so, Frank. He's got AJ Green. How how many games has AJ Green played in like the last three years? Well, would you want to play for Andy Dalton? I wouldn't. I don't know. <laughs> All I can say is like. I don't know about I think some of those uh some of those uh Bengals receivers and weapons get the fact that they don't play in a way yeah. makes them overrated because people don't you kind of they live in the imagination of their potential. And I think I'm not doubting obviously AJ Green's been a great receiver, but I don't think you could I don't think there's a ton of weapons around Burroughs. And I already I'm as I said before, I think Burroughs is gonna turn out to be Andy Dalton two point and I, this Bengals team is going to be awful. Well, I guess the thing would be, is he going to be Andy Dalton 2.0 and be the worst postseason performer in the history of quarterbacks? Because that would just be interesting to see again. And that I don't think can happen because. You know why it's not going to happen, Frank? Because he's not going to make the postseason. Ever. <laughs> and at least, you know, it's going to be sad 15 years from now when Bengals fans are looking back fondly on the Andy Dalton years thinking, hey, remember those three, four years where we consistently made the playoffs? Wasn't that wonderful? <laughs> well, I mean, the interesting thing is, in this division right now, if, if Burroughs ends up being the talent of a number one draft pick, you have three quarterbacks that are all very young and very talented. I mean, this could be a crazy tough division for the next – 10 years, right? I mean, if Burroughs ends up being good, you have Burroughs, Mayfield, and your favorite Lamar Jackson. You know, if the Steelers can add a, add a, a nice first-round pick QB, this could be a tough division to, to get a hold of year after year. Yeah, and also what's nice about it in a division where the players consistently seem to hate each other. So there is always bad blood between the teams. Oh, yeah. So, so the idea that they would all have – like good quarterbacks means, and also in the case of Burroughs has got a little bit of swagger around him, right? Obviously Mayfield has his, Lamar Jackson has his. So you're going to have a lot of quarterbacks talking pretty openly probably about how they don't like each other or how they think the other one's overrated or whatever it is. So you could have, you're right. You could have an interesting 10, 15 years here. That's a great question. Who's got the most swagger out of all of them, Eddie? Mayfield. And it's not even close. I think it's pretty close. Lamar Jackson has got quite the swagger. <laughs> you know when Lamar Although Jackson guess... doesn't doesn't have swagger in playoff games. <laughs> All right, so give me give me your your Browns praise, Eddie. Let's let's hear it. I just think the I think the hype train was one year too early on the Browns, and I think Freddie Kitchens. I, to say they had a corpse on the on the sidelines, I think a corpse would have been an improvement on Freddie Kitchens because his decision-making was just so awful. 
having the equivalent of Sam the Squid, and I don't mean that in the person of Sam, but the idea of a complete idiot just picking picking plays for them would have been better than what Freddie Kitchens was trying to do. So I think the Browns are going to be significantly better this year. They obviously, you know, everyone, the reasons why everyone was so excited about them last year are still there. It's not as if they lost things and they've tried to improve the areas right there. Their offensive line was bad. They've tried to strengthen in areas where they clearly weren't good enough. So I think the hype train was one year too early. I don't think they'll win the division. I think the Ravens will win the division, but I think the, the Browns are going to be close and they're definitely making the playoffs. Yeah. I, I think you've hit the nail on the head with the coaching situation and um, I think they have the perfect replacement with uh, Stefanski in the sense that he was the O coordinator for the Vikings. And if you on paper compare the Vikings offense to what the Browns have, they're very similar. I mean, you had Stefan Diggs and Thielman, and that is a pretty direct comparison to OBJ being Diggs and Landry being the person who can consistently catch the the inside routes. You have Dalvin Cook and Chubb, and you have, um, was it Rudolph, right? And uh, Najoku, and then they also have the new guy they picked up. Oh, God, I can't think of his name. Hooper. Yeah, Hooper, right? So the offenses are very similar. So he can come into this situation, and he's basically just coaching the same team, just with different names on their back. So I think their offense is going to really click. Um, the only issue is you have Mayfield who, who knows how good of a study he is having to learn another new offense. So is it this year or is it next year? And the issue with it being next year is you might start to lose some of these players like OBJ Landry. I don't know how much Chubb has left. Uh, They picked up cream hunt. I don't know how much he's got left, you know, so it could be this year. I think they could have a much, much improved season just from that coaching change and everyone getting a year older, but whether they pick up the offense in time could be the only issue, I think. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I think Mayfield, I think it's the interesting thing about Mayfield, right? Cause he kind of gets tarnished with the, uh, with the idea that he's a Browns quarterback. And obviously he was coming on the back of a, another white Browns quarterback with a lot of swagger who was undersized. But I think history would tell you in his career that he has, is actually a pretty hard worker. Um, and so I think he will have put in the necessary necessary work to have learned that playbook. And I think, as I said, I think they'll be good. And then the last one is the Ravens. I mean, they haven't really lost anything. Uh, they pretty much are bringing back the same team. Uh, and they're lucky that they can do that because they have a lot of players on rookie contracts. So they haven't had to spend the money yet that they're going to have to in a few years. Um, And they picked up Dobbins from Ohio state, which I'm a huge Dobbins fan. I actually think he was better than Saquon was in college. So I I think he's going to be a huge addition to that team. They picked up two great linebackers in the draft. I mean, they had a phenomenal draft. They could have had the best draft out of any team and they're adding that to a team. Well, you're wrong there. You're wrong there. Frank, you're wrong. Okay. The best draft, the best draft of any team was the Niners, and we'll get that onto that when we when we get to the <laughs> NFC. I don't even want that. I don't even want that debated. Okay. 
well, we'll have to see at the end of the year. But I, I mean, the only thing, again, we've talked about off air numerous times is everyone loves to say Lamar Jackson is the complete package. And, you know, the big knock with some people is that he's not a good thrower. And then other people argue, well, have you seen the season he had? It's phenomenal. How can you say he's not a good thrower? But if you dig deep into his stats last year, throwing the ball, when he plays actually good defenses, he wasn't that great, you know? And this is what bothers me is people just see overall numbers when you're playing against Miami and he throws for 350. Like, oh, that's great. Wow. You played against Miami, but then take them against tough defenses. So for instance, if I pull it up here against teams that had a top 15 ranking of a defense uh, against Pittsburgh, he threw for 161, one touchdown, three interceptions. Against New England, he went for 163 with one touchdown. Against San Francisco, he went for 105 with one touchdown. Against Buffalo, he went for 145, three touchdowns, decent. But those aren't great stats. Like, you, you can't read those stats and tell me he's a phenomenal throwing QB. And, and until he starts proving that in big games against big teams, I'm still under the, the impression that he's a great running quarterback who can throw decently in a very stacked offense. Yeah, I mean, and not just, I'm not going to bring this up just because they're the Niners, but in a way, that Niners game, I think, was a crucial moment in his season because what the Niners did was show other teams the blueprint on how you could beat that Ravens team. And part of it is accepting you're not going to stop him from doing what he does on the ground. Like, he's going to do that. You can't take that away from him. So it's just a question of putting him in scenarios where he has to throw the ball. And you want to get him in key moments of the games where his feet are not going to be a weapon because you've taken, you haven't taken away from the sense that you're not going to stop at every play, but you're going to focus on putting him in a situation where it just isn't an option for him anymore. And I think that's going to be the, that's going to be the issue for him. And you saw it in the playoffs. Like when he got into a situation where he had to throw, it's not pretty. And that's two years in a row where that's happened to him in playoff game situations. So I'm, you know, I mean, you know my opinion of Lamar Jackson, and it's that he's, I don't think he's an elite quarterback in the sense that I don't think that Lamar Jackson can be a quarterback to get you to win a Super Bowl. That's, again, it kind of touches on, in a way, the Giannis concept. I think Lamar Jackson is an incredible regular season quarterback, but I don't want him on my team in a playoff game. I think the other thing you have to bring up with that you also brought up with the Giannis is he's still really young. And that's not to say he couldn't become a more efficient and a better passer, but I think people are blowing it a little out of context with him being the most complete QB in the league. I do not for one second buy him being a top five throwing QB in the league. I don't like, for instance, I don't think he's still anywhere near Mahomes in terms of an overall QB package. Yeah, I mean, that might be an unfair comparison because Mahomes is arguably the best quarterback in the league and on course to be one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time, right? So you can be a very good quarterback. Like, you can be a great quarterback and not come close to being Mahomes level. But, but I um, mean, unanimous MVP pick. Unanimous. But MVP, MVP, right? The MVP voting always comes down to what are you voting on? Is it, the, is it a vote for the best player at any one time? I would say it's not supposed to be. It's supposed to be who's had the – is it the best player? Is it the most valuable player in the sense of without this player, how good would this team have been? 
and it doesn't usually get treated that way. It's usually just a reflection of who had the best year. And you, you'd have to say that Lamar Jackson had the best regular season last year. I mean, Mahomes, for starters, missed a few games. So kind of hard yeah. to miss a few games and win the MVP. But, I mean, I don't think – I'd be surprised if Lamar Jackson wins the MVP again this year. Yeah, I mean, if everyone stays healthy is always the, the question. So wrapping this one up, I have Ravens, Browns, Bengals, Steelers, and I would predict whoa, 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 wait, Browns. Wait, 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 wait. You're predicting the, Brown, the Bengals to finish above the Steelers? Yep. Yes. I think okay. the Steelers are done. I didn't know you meant that done. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think they're done. I didn't know you meant walking dead. I think the Steelers are a four to five win team next year. Yeah, and I think, and I, I agree. I think the Browns will make the playoffs. For me, I'll just say Ravens win the division. Browns make the playoffs. Pretty simple. Yeah, same for me as well. Ravens then Browns then Steelers then Bengals. All right, so that brings us to the AFC South. Uh, this one, for me, isn't super exciting. I don't. I don't. I don't think the Titans or the Texans are a team that can win the Super Bowl or make it to the Super Bowl. I know that the Titans were really close last year. I don't see them being this close again. Uh, I think Eddie's touched on the fact that a lot of other teams are improving a lot. And I think there'll be teams like the Browns, like the Bills that could knock them off come playoff time. Um, obviously the Titans feel they've got a great QB in signing Tannehill for what was it, 118 million over four years. We've talked about this before off air. He's had a deceivingly decent career, but that's the money of a top five QB. Is he a top five QB? I, I, no way. I, he's consistent. You know, he kind of reminds me of like an Alex Smith, but I don't think he's going to win you a Super Bowl. And I don't think you can rely on a running back, no matter how strong and much of a beast Derrick Henry is. I don't think it wins you a Super Bowl either. Um, so I think, I think, I, I think you're right. I think that uh, Tannehill isn't a top five. I think he's better than Alex Smith, but I, I don't think he's a top five quarterback. I don't think they well, had yeah, a Alex choice. Smith now. No. <laughs> I don't think they had a choice. I think they had to pay him. I think it's one of those awful situations as a team where if, if you're the GM, you're probably looking at it thinking, I don't feel great about this, but I, I, I kind of don't have a choice because I can't let him go somewhere else and be good kind of the in a way sort of similar maybe to how I feel every team feels about Kirk Cousins, which is or do we think he's gonna win us a Super Bowl? Probably not, and but we have to pay him as if he's going to. And and that's yeah. kind of an unfortunate position to be in. But I yeah, I mean I, I'm not gonna go into too in depth on this division because I don't think it matters as much in the sense that I don't think any team coming out of this is going to be that good. But the Colts are favorites to win the division. And I think the Colts, the question mark here is, is rivers, but I, I think the Colts will, will win the division. Sam, do you want to give your prediction or? Yeah, sure. Um, I'd probably go, it's a pretty weak division, right? And you've both touched on the fact that whoever gets through is probably going to go nowhere with it as well. Although interestingly enough, I saw that because the Colts have, because people think the Colts will win the league, they're actually still like seventh or eighth favorite to win the Super Bowl. 
maybe just because of the fact that people think they'll get through this and then I guess opportunities once you're in the playoffs. But Phil Rivers is a pretty, I, I guess one of the question marks about him is usually his turnovers, right? He's pretty bad in terms of like picks and throws, etc. But the Colts, from what I remember, are a pretty run heavy team anyway. So I, I'm not too, I don't think it'll matter too much. So I, I, I still think the Colts will win. Probably then a toss up between the Texans and Titans and Jaguars, uh, Well, the Phil Rivers question, too, in a way, is he's going into a system, right? He's an offensive coordinator who's brought some of the best out of him. So there is a possibility here that he is going into a system that is going to be perfectly built for Phil Rivers to to, uh, succeed. And I think they'll be decent, and I think they'll they'll win the division. And I'm glad that someone picked up Phil Rivers because it wouldn't really be a Sunday without seeing him screaming – at himself, at officials, at his own team. At, at Ngakwe. Yeah, I mean, he's going to be screaming at someone. And, and you know, that's when you know that Sunday, Sunday's really, the witching hour is really starting when, when you see Philip Rivers' red face just screaming profanities all over the place. I, I agree with you completely on that. Football is going to lose a personality when it loses Philip Rivers. And it just made me go back to when he had that altercation with Ngakwe where he threw the 90-yard touchdown. And Ngakwe knocks him to the ground and then nicely picks him back up. And then when he picks him back up, Philip Rivers screams in his ear, how about that 90-yard touchdown? And just starts screaming into his ear. And then Gakwe responds by telling him to stay humble and stay humble. And he goes, I'm going to be excited. And he goes, yeah, don't yell it in my ear. And he goes, I will do it in your ear. That's what I do. That's what I do. I mean, come on. You're going to miss a personality like that screaming at an absolute titan of a person in Ngakwe as well. Uh, That just, he cracks me up so much. But Honestly, I, I think my hot take here will be I don't have the Colts winning the, winning the division or making the playoffs. I have it between the Titans and the Texans. And I would lean towards the Texans if you could tell me J.J. Watt stays healthy this year. If he plays at least 12 oh, to 14 oh, I didn't games. Realize, I didn't realize we got that kind of information to come out. Well, I'm, <laughs> I'm saying – it's they you just need him on defense just alone to get the coverage he gets and open up some one-on-ones for your dns and things like that but if he can stay healthy i think the texans have a shot to win this yeah but here's the issue frank i think the texans are seven to two to win the division and i think jj watts probably 10 to one to play more than 12 and a half games so you know that's that's the issue there yeah, I mean, that's right, the I'll... problem. And and they also have the same – they have an injury risk at quarterback. You know, they, they've they lost you're, – you're Injury also risk? The, fact, the guy played with made... a punctured lung. He He's not missing games. I bet, see, I bet you he'd winning, win your thumb-blowing thumb game. But, yeah. And, and, then, and then you also have to factor in they lost, they lost their best wide receiver. They, you know, aside from, from Watson, they lost their best offensive threat. Yeah, but I, yeah, no, I agree. I, I completely agree with that. I mean, I think David Johnson will have a rebound season with them as opposed to the Cardinals. 
Ooh, um, they no, still- no, no, no. We're out there. David Johnson will not be – here's my bold prediction for this division. David Johnson will not be the primary running back on this team by the end of the season. I'll give you my bold prediction. I bet he goes 1,000 yards over scrimmage. That's not that bold. All right, 2,000. That's good. 4,000 yards over scrimmage. Double down. I'll say he goes over 1,500 yards from scrimmage. Okay. I think he's going to have a rebound year. New, new system, new place. You know, I, I live in Arizona. It can beat you down. I know how it feels. And so, you think that you think that Houston, Texas is going to be that's the place you go to to feel better uh, about yourself? People are saying Houston, Texas is the is the new Paris. So moving on, last division, AFC West. Can we just any make this bold, really? Can we just make this really quick? And we just all say the Chiefs. Bold and we, predictions. And we, and yeah. we move on. Actually, Frank, you didn't actually say who – you weren't clear on who you think is winning the AFC South. I'll take Texans to win, Titans to make playoffs. Okay. And then uh, can we just make the AFC West really quick and just all say the Chiefs and, and move on to another division? I'll say one thing about it, not Chiefs-related. I think the Broncos might be able to make the playoffs solely because I think they can go 4-2 and two in this division. And they're already, all they need to do then is get four more wins out of their next 10 games. I think they I think have the, a realistic I think, shot. I think the issue here is we've identified about 54 playoff teams. Well, there's more now. There's three wild cards for each division, uh, for each conference. So you can have seven, seven for each division now, but... I think the Broncos could because I think the Raiders and Chargers are just that bad. So I agree. It's easy. Chiefs Chiefs could go undefeated. No, they won't. But we, we all call we all say Chiefs and we move on. Yeah. Okay. Take us over to the NFC then, Frank. Where would you like to start? Do you want to start on the East or in the West? You can you can choose. All right. The mighty powerhouse NFC East. I don't know if any team is even worthy of making the playoffs in this division <laughs> still. Uh, I mean, I think it's obviously a toss-up between the Eagles and the Cowboys. Um, the Giants, I think they might – I think they'll improve from last year. I think that is a pretty easy prediction. I don't think they're going to prove enough to go eight and eight and win this division. Um, their defense is still just terrible. I mean, they're, they're so bad. Their offense is decent. You know, I think Jones, I think Jones is going to have a much better year this year. I think statistically he's going to be a top 15 quarterback this year, at least, uh, which is a huge improvement. I think he was like 25th last year, uh, but their defense is awful. Um, I think it's just between the, the Eagles and the Cowboys. And I guess that brings up my question to you, Eddie, which is going to be one of your hot takes is Dak Prescott. And is he that good? And I think this would be a great time for you to give us your top five 
QBs for this upcoming season? Okay, I'll start by saying no, Dak Prescott is not that great and he's there's no way on earth he's even registering on my top 5. Like he's not he's not on the bubble, he's not being considered for the top 5. And so, Cowboys so before you start, before you start, I had looked online. There are several people that put him on the fringe of the top 5, whether it be 5, 6 or 7. There's a vast is, majority of people who do that. That's all I'm saying. That's like, all I'm saying. Is this for real rankings or this is like fantasy? No, this is who are the top 20 QBs in the league. Not, nothing, not fantasy related, just, you know, like who's going to have statistically the best seasons, uh, who is going to look the best, things like that. Yeah, well, they're idiots. <laughs> Brutal assessment. I mean, Dak Prescott is what he is, which is – I mean, uh, I, I don't put Dak Prescott in my top 15. And is he, he the best not... QB in the division? No. No, I'd rather have Carson Wentz. Interesting. So give me your top five then. All right. Number one, clearly Mahomes. Number two at the moment. I mean, it's a tough one because I, I'm going to say t- number two is, I'd, I'll actually say, is it's clearly Russell Wilson. Wow, already some controversy there. Number three becomes tricky for me. I'm going to put three. I'm going to put Drew Brees as three. Wow, even more controversy. I'm going to put four as Lamar Jackson. Even though we talked about his limitations, I still, I'm going to put Lamar Jackson at number four. And number five, I am going to take five is tough. Five is where it kind of starts to thin out a little bit <laughs> in terms of separating. There's still a lot of very good quarterbacks, but in terms of separating one from the other is a little bit of a challenge. I'll take Aaron Rodgers, fifth. Okay. I, I mean, I was tempted. When you're leaving out then? You're leaving out Brady? I'm leaving out Brady. I'm leaving out... Your boy Stafford. I'm leaving out Dak Prescott, obviously, if some people would have put him in. I'm leaving out Prescott. I'm leaving out Deshaun Watson, who I guess some people might put in. Matt Ryan. Yeah. Uh, Josh Allen. You know, you could argue he's approaching that that group. Yeah, I think Um, Deshaun Watson might have to be in your top five. Yeah, I mean, historically historically speaking, right, you're leaving out Big Ben. Like, I don't think many people would put him in the top five now, but still, you're talking about... You mean Skinny Ben. Exactly, Skinny Big Ben. (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, Dak Prescott. I mean, he's not in my... He's definitely not in my top ten. Crazy. And if if I'm the Cowboys, I'm not signing him. So who do you have to win this division? The Eagles. Yeah, I got the Eagles to edge the Cowboys. Yeah, I got the Eagles too. The only thing I'll say, I'm not the huge Dak Prescott fan, but he's going to put up numbers this year. And I think that's going to skew how good people think he is. I mean, he's got tons of talent. I mean, you picked up C.D. Lamb. C.D. Lamb could be a 1,000-yard receiver as a rookie and you're adding that to Amari Cooper, that one too. And you have Ezekiel Elliott, who, you know, takes a lot of pressure off of blitzes and things like that. So he's got to have I mean, the, the Cowboys, a good year. 
the Cowboys are favorite to win the division. We've all three of us have picked the second favorite there. Yeah, I mean, I have to go Eagles until I see otherwise. I mean, well, what's the what's the stat with the NFC East that the same team never wins a division two years in a row in the past ten years or something? I mean, the thing with the Eagles, right? It is last year they were so inconsistent. Even within games, they were inconsistent. They'd have moments where you saw the team that they, you know, kind of had been in recent years at their best, which was this like terrifying offensive machine. And they had moments where you saw it, but then, then they would just have, you know, five or six minutes within a game where they played like absolute idiots, and they just would give a game away, or they would just completely not show up for games that you would have thought would have been relatively straightforward wins, and they would blow them. So when I pick the Eagles, I'm not doing so with a lot of confidence, but uh, that's who I'm picking. Did you see, I got to have to bring it up though, just, you know, being a Giants fan. Did you see some of the weird coaching tactics Joe Judge is doing that people are saying is going to get him hated pretty quickly? Well, I saw that he did the thing with taping the tennis balls to their hands to stop them from holding (laughs) Yeah, he did that. Well, the first thing he did... I saw he was making them run laps, too. Yep. So if you mess up, you have to run laps, which apparently in the NFL is an easy way to to get the mutiny going on you because professionals do not want to be reprimanded and scolded and, and be forced to run laps. He also did the thing that is very Belichick and also very annoying, that before he was practicing with the team... He wouldn't name anyone by name. So they were like, oh, you know, like uh, Saquon Barkley, you're expecting him to have, you know, a huge year. You've got a really talented person. And he's like, I really don't know what anyone's going to do until we get on the field. You know, I don't know what our running back is going to do. Like he wouldn't say Saquon or anyone, not even like Daniel Jones, which is just annoying. I hate that stupid mentality. And then he also apparently was doing uh, like Oklahoma drills which are basically outlawed now. Uh, But he was doing like as close as you can do to an Oklahoma drill and having people just run full speed at each other as you can without it being illegal. And supposedly the first day they did it, uh, one of the cornerbacks was knocked out for five minutes on the floor and ended up being, he, he had hurt his shoulder or something like that and he was fine. But yeah, he's uh, he's got some weird tactics to him that apparently aren't, aren't very encouraging. <laughs> well, the thing I'd seen was that the running laps thing, Belichick does that too. Yep. And I think that's the, that's the issue, right? Is that, and so far the Belichick coaching tree has not exactly been great. I mean, the only one, the only two, I guess at the moment you'd say have a chance of kind of maybe being very good are uh, Flores and with the Dolphins and Rabel with the Titans. Like those are the only two so far who look like good hires but I think a lot of the times the issue is that people think there's stuff that Bill Belichick does that you can get away with if you're not Bill Belichick and that you have to try and apply the same things that work really well for him. And he's just a, he has such a unique character that he's able to approach things in a different way. And B, he has a pedigree and a history behind him. That means that players are more receptive to these things than they will be for some guy who's coming in on day one in his first head coaching job as a former special teams coach and who's turning up and telling him to run laps. 
and they think like, who is this guy? History would tell us as a new Giants head coach, you're not going to be here 10 months from now. So I'm not going to, I'm not going to, I'm not going to run laps for you. Well, the other great thing is he's making the coaches run laps as well. (laughs) So if the player messes up and it has something to do with the coach being slightly responsible for the mess up, the coach has to run a lap as well. And there's a great quote by one of the coaches that if you read between the lines, the coach is basically saying, this is not fucking going well. I don't like this. (laughs) So that not only are you losing your team's respect, you're also losing your assistant coach respect. Well, I mean, I guess the only good news there, right, is that Freddie Kitchens is a Giants coach now, which was probably a reflection of how terribly run the, the Giants are, but... I guess if Freddie Kitchens is running laps, maybe we're going to see a, a different corpse on the sidelines this year. Well, we're not. Kitchens stopped running laps since his first day at practice. <laughs> Thing is, he probably doesn't even know how to run a lap, and I don't mean that as a representation of his physique. I just mean that he probably doesn't even understand what the concept is, so it's probably just not worth explaining it to him. <laughs> All right, let's let's move on from the uh, let's go NFC North. So that's I think this the toughest division to win uh, or pick a winner. So you've got the Lions, the Packers, the Vikings, and the Bears. So can we all agree to eliminate the Bears? No. 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 No, I'm not eliminating them. I don't think they'll win the division, but I wouldn't say that they're eliminated. I think you're right. This is the toughest. From a betting perspective, right, the Lions are the fourth favorites to win when they're the outsiders of the division, but they are only 9-2 to two to win the division. I mean, the assumption is that the Vikings are favorites, I'm guessing? The Vikings are favorites, yeah. So my, I think the Lions win this division. Um, you've got Stafford. Wow. He's got a good line. He's got, yeah, he's got a good line. He, he's got, they have a decent offense. They'll put up points. And so the Lions are my pick to win this division. I think you've got Matthew Stafford, wow. who's still playing at a high level. Um, he's got good weapons. They can score points. And Patricia has basically retooled this defense, you know, since he's come in most of the starters have changed. I just think this is the year for the lions that Patricia has his team. He's built his team finally, and it's going to be either. Okay. You've built it and look, it's successful. Great job. Let's, you know, make a run for it. Or we've given you everything you wanted and this team still sucks. You're gone. And I kind of lean towards the fact that I think it's going to be a successful team. Listen, they were, they were what three did they, they didn't win a game when Stafford was out, you know? So I think with Stafford being healthy, they've got some new additions. I just think this could be the sleeper that the lions come in. Cause I think each other, each of these teams is going to beat each other up in this division. So I think 10 and six could win this division. I don't think you're going to see the Packers go Would they go again last year, 13 and three. I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think they're going to escape this division without a few losses. So I just think it's going to be really tight. It's going to come down to the end. And I think the lions are just going to edge out the Packers and the Vikings. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I couldn't disagree with you more on your assessment of the Lions, but um, yeah, I think it's going to be a tight division. I think the Lions will end up finishing bottom of the division, and I think the Vikings will win the division. Coming from Matthew Stafford's number one fan? I, I do like Matthew Stafford. I, I don't know if I would have spoken about him quite as glowingly as you just did. So I think that should be a that should be a warning sign for you if I'm not if I'm considering hopping off the Matthew Stafford train and you're suddenly considering hopping on it, that might not be a good move. But but I think that um, and I don't think the Lions are going to be terrible. I just don't think I think they're they're kind of going to be what they've been in recent years. And I and I think the Vikings, I think the Vikings are going to be pretty good. And I think they'll win the division. I would like to say the Packers win it just because I think Aaron Rodgers at some point is going to have that return to being like, he's going to have that year where he reminds everyone how good he is. I think that's going to happen, but the Packers just look like they have so many problems internally of which Aaron Aaron Rodgers is normally at the heart of those, but it's hard to pick them to win the division. But so I I think I'm just going to go with the Vikings. I'll go Vikings as well. Like what you were saying about the Packers. So most sports commentators seem to be of the opinion that they overachieved last year and they actually in the division beat the Vikings twice. And I think that the Vikings will be a stronger team next year. So if you reverse that, the 13 and three that the Packers were suddenly becomes 11 and five. And yeah, I, I just see, I just see the Vikings winning it. I think they look a pretty strong unit as well for next year, but yeah, I see the Vikings winning it. Yeah. I think the Vikings, are a really good team. I mean, you lose Stefan Diggs, but then they picked up Jefferson from LSU. So he's going to basically instantly replace them. They're very, very similar uh, types of receivers. And Dalvin Cook is just a savage. I mean, he had that year where he tore his ACL and kind of people forgot about him a little bit, but you know, the last year or so, he's just so good. Uh, But I don't know. And I don't think the Packers, I was one of those people who, did not believe the Packers were a good team, even at 13 and three. I remember every week I would say, this is the week you're going to see the Packers show who they really are. This is the week you're going to see it. This is the week. I mean, they finally did in that playoff game, but they lasted a lot longer and won a lot more games than I thought they were. And I just think they overachieved. Well, here's a real question back down. Frank, did they show who they were in that playoff game or did the Niners show who they were? I mean, I think it's a combination of both. I mean, what, what was the Niners' record last year? Well, 12 and 4, probably. Like, yeah, I mean, you're looking, you're, you're looking at a 12 and 4 team. And a well, actually, no, the, the, Niners, the Niners had home field against the Packers, right? So they, they must have been, if the Packers were 13 and 3, they must have been at least 13 and 3. 13 and 3. So out of two 13 and 3 teams, I think the Niners were a legitimate 13 and 3 versus the Packers were more like a 10 and 6 team who somehow got to 13 wins. So I don't see them being 13 and three this year. And I just think it's such a tough division that you could see someone like the Lions squeak by. Uh, Cause like I said, I think everyone's just going to beat up on everyone in that division. So from there. Well, we, we just, didn't really talk about the big news of the, of that division though. Cause you have a, you have a quarterback making headlines. Oh, you are right. We have uh, the COVID denier himself, Kirk Cousins. 
See, uh, that's where I feel bad for him because he, if you really look at the quote, I'm not sure he wasn't really dead. Uh, no, I don't think you can say. <laughs> look, all right, I'll, I'll read the quote. I'll read the quote. Yeah, I remember it being he's, quite brutal. He's on a uh, either a podcast or a radio show or something like that. Um, he was Cousins was asked to rate his level of concern over contracting the virus on a one to ten scale, with one being the person who says masks are really stupid you're all a bunch of lemmings and 10 being i'm not leaving my master bathroom for the next 10 years cousins then replied i'm not going to call anyone stupid for the trouble would get me in but i'm at about point and i don't want to get this wrong point zero 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 one percent so i think that's a little bit of a of a COVID denier. He then goes on to say, for me personally, just talking, no one else can get the virus. What is your concern if you would get it? I would say, I'm gonna go about my daily life. If I'm gonna get it, I'm gonna ride it out. I'm gonna let nature do its course, survival of the fittest kind of approach. And let's just say, if it knocks me out, it knocks me out, I'm going to be okay. Even if I die, I die, I die. <laughs> I have peace about that. So I, in a sense, you're right. I think he's kind of saying that like if if he doesn't have to affect anyone else around him then yeah maybe he's just saying he's he can survive it because he's really fit but the whole like on a one to ten scale master stupid and him saying he's on a point zero 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 one of that scale he's kind of saying that there's no point in wearing masks and there's no point in restrictions so yeah it's, it's not i'm look it's it's not a great quote and there's two things. One, I don't even think, not to flip it, but the media shouldn't even be asking athletes that question because what Kirk Cousins thinks about wearing masks shouldn't even be public information. Like what LeBron James thinks about wearing masks shouldn't be public information because there's no reason why what they think is meaningful in any way. But it's not a great quote, but I don't know. Just Kirk Cousins being Kirk Cousins. Yep. You like that? <laughs> not, not so much. <laughs> so let's, we'll save the, uh, the Niners for last. So let's do NFC South. Um, it's another pretty tough division, actually, I, th- I think. Uh, you have the Saints, the Bucks, the Falcons, and the Panthers. And I think, you know, in a conference like this, if you took the Falcons and put them in the NFC East, I think the Falcons could win the NFC East probably. But here, I don't think they, they break the top two. So it's, it's a pretty tough division. I think it's going to be interesting how good the Bucs are. Um, you've got Brady. You've got Gronk. You've got the tackle from Iowa. You know, you've got Bruce Arians, who's a pretty good coach. They had good players to begin with. Um, both on offense and the defense. So do they make the playoffs? Yeah, I think they make the playoffs. Do they win this division? I don't know. I can never root against the Saints and Breeze. You know, I think Breeze has something to prove. Last season, it ended poorly for him. And as soon as he had one bad game in a playoff, people started saying it's the end of Drew Breeze. And I don't think that's the case. And I think he might be out to prove some people otherwise. Um, And of course, they, you know, they've still got tons of talent. So um, I have to stick with the Saints until I see them 
properly fall from what they are. But I do think yeah. the Bucks make the playoffs. I mean, yeah, it's a tough one. You forgot to mention this, the Bucks picking up uh, Leonard Fournette as well. Um, yeah, yeah, you're right. Yep. But I, I, I'm going to pick the Saints too. But there's two big question marks over the Saints. One, Alvin Kamara is is in the midst of a contractual dispute. Probably, but probably plays. Probably doesn't matter. But if if there is a scenario in which Kamara doesn't play, then that really impacts the Saints. The second thing. Does every black player on the Saints hate Drew Brees now? <laughs> is, uh... Yeah, that's true. I think he's going to you know, be like, is it going to be like, remember the Titans when they're just like letting rushers get through to hit sunshine? Like, is this, is this what's <laughs> going to happen here? You're, first off, you're reversing it the other way. It was the white blocking lineman that was letting players in to hit yeah the but didn't sunshine did. doesn't sunshine eventually doesn't he say let him through doesn't that happen in that movie or am i thinking the wrong football movie isn't no, there a you're, moment you're thinking where... right yeah, yeah 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 you're thinking right but they weren't purposely letting it to go through him it was they got the they got um the rev hurt and then because they let him through and then he says let him through again and the guy's like what i'm not gonna let him through again and he's like do it and then he flips him over his back because <laughs> that happens all the time in football. You know, someone comes at you and you just duck underneath and then throw him off your back at full speed <laughs> and throw a touchdown pass. <laughs> if I've seen it once, I've seen it a million times. <laughs> uh, that's always one of those things too. Cause uh, I always, sunshine's Ryan Gosling, isn't he? No. Who's Ryan uh, Gosling in the movie? Ryan Gosling is the, the whippy cornerback who gets oh, yeah. replaced. <laughs> like, it's one of those things where you just always forget that Ryan Gosling's in the movie. Yeah, that's so true. So, yeah, and the other actually thing I, I just wanted to bring up to me that's so crazy is the Carolina Panthers are now without Cam Newton, Greg Olson, and Luke Keechley are all gone. It's just that to me, that was the Carolina Panthers, right? Like those three were the embodiment. It's just crazy to think that you have a Panthers team with none of them on it anymore. It's like well, a here's, full here's reversal. The, here's the real question. Can Luke Keekley remember that he ever was on the Carolina Panthers? <laughs> yeah, because he retired early enough. <laughs> One more year, probably not. Well. So um, we're all in agreement there, huh? Saints, Bucks. Do you think yeah. the Bucks will make the playoffs? Yeah. I'm, gonna, I'm tempted to put a like, hot take out that the Bucks are terrible. There's, there's part of me that wants to do that, 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 that uh, Tom Brady is, is a spent force and that he's not going to look good, that like, Gronkowski is going to be awful, and that the Bucks are going to be – kind of bad and i'm leaning closer to to them being bad than i am to them being very good like if you t if you ask me which is more likely them going 13 and three or them going like eight and eight well not that bad but like eight and eight and then i'm going eight and eight but again though with the extra wild card seed eight and eight might make the playoffs maybe probably not but maybe but 
yeah, I think I think the Bucks will make the playoffs, but I think I think the Saints, assuming all the black players don't hate Drew Brees, I think the Saints are going to be very good. Well, I think that didn't he have like a closed door meeting after he said what he said, and kind of cleared it up and uh, you know privately apologized and everything. Yeah, probably. I thought, it, I thought he did. Not, I, I, whether or not they cared not. about that apology, that's that's the other that's the other issue. True. Yeah. Well, I think one person, Eddie, who is really rooting for your prediction of the Bucks not making the playoffs would be Winston. <laughs> he would be enthralled to see them do worse. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I mean, so that, imagine the scenario. If put it this way, if the Bucks don't make the playoffs, and then the Patriots do, but if the Patriots win the division and the Bucks don't make the playoffs, then I think it's in the was it Belichick or was it Brady argument? Belichick settles it in one year. Yeah, I mean, and we've spoken privately about the fact that like, it's kind of unfair to do this. Of like which one of them will prove that it wasn't them because Belichick, if he wants to, is going to have longer and have more variations to try and, you know, Brady at best has what three more years. That's at absolute best. Whereas if Belichick wants to do this for another five, he can do it. You know, if he wanted to do it for another ten, they'd probably let him do it. But he's got a, at least five years there if he really wants to to hang around. The, but. The thing is, assuming that Gronkowski is some somewhere close to what he used to be, you would have to say that this is the most weapons that Brady has ever had. So if he isn't effective in this team, then it's a real knock on... I'm, it's not a knock on his career, obviously, because there's no taking away the fact that he's won a number of Super Bowls that he's won and been as successful that he is. But it would make you start to think about whether it was a very, very, very good quarterback in the perfect system, and if he would have been able to achieve anywhere near as much anywhere else. But I, th- I think what you're saying wouldn't answer that because I could say right now with what Brady has around him, you could probably slot a few QBs in there that could do pretty well, right? I mean, listen, you've got Gronk and O.J. Howard, who's another really good tight end. Evans, Godwin, um, their defense is pretty stacked still. Uh, they even picked up like some, some additions on their defense. So, I mean, they have a really good team overall. So, you know, if they do well, you could still make the argument that Brady's just in a great system. So I don't yeah, know. we'll have to do. see how, how it plays out a little bit. Yeah. 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 We'll see. This brings us on maybe to the, uh, the, the premier most... division. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the, yeah, the the division of the future Super Bowl winners. Uh, and we'll get on to the Arizona NFC West. Cardinals. <laughs> well, this is right, this so is one. This is one of the. This, well, the odds are going to surprise some people, I think, because the Niners and the Seahawks are joint favorites with a lot of people now to win this division. Um, some of that might be the Seahawks, for example, like Clowney is people are expecting will sign with the Seahawks. Um, And in addition to that, the Niners are just being hit by injury after injury with their wide receivers. So there's a little bit of an issue there. 
but for me, I think I think the Niners were the best team in the NFL last year. I mean, Mahomes was the difference maker in the Super Bowl, but the Niners were the best team. I also think that if you'd had proper officiating in that Super Bowl, the Niners win it pretty comfortably. But, oh but it's true. But but that aside, I think there's no reason to really expect the Niners to be any worse. The areas where they did have issues, they were able to fill in. They had a big question mark, obviously, with Staley leaving with, at left tackle. They managed to solve that in the offseason. I think they had the best draft. They kind of managed their cap situation pretty well because that was one of the other issues they had coming up. And I think the Niners will be just as good, if not potentially slightly better than they were last year. I'm going to pick them to win the Super Bowl. I'm definitely going to pick them to make the Super Bowl. And I have zero doubts that they're going to win the division. Strong. Well, that's strong. I can agree on some points with you. I think they're the best team in this division. And they're basically turning over the same team they had last year with a few differences. I mean, maybe DeForest Buckner is their only big loss on the D-line. Um, they lost Emmanuel Sanders, but they replaced them with the ASU receiver, who I think is really good. I watched him play almost every week, um, and he's, he's a good receiver. Um, I don't think they were the best team last year in the league. I still think the Chiefs were, and I still – the question I have is, did they do enough to now be able to beat the Chiefs? And I don't think they have. Um, I think you're just you, – you have Mahomes, who's just going to get better and better around the exact same team he had last year. I mean, they have another year now with the same team, basically. And it's just going to – I'll, I'll, I'll cut you short, put Frank. 50 a game. Frank, I'll, put you, I'll cut you short. And this isn't to be one of those people who just blames officiating because this, is, this isn't blaming officiating. This is saying that different, different sets of officials will have different interpretations. If they're going to play the Chiefs again in a game where there are zero holding calls on the Chiefs and there are holding calls being given against, like holding calls against the Niners, if there's going to be that situation again, zero holding calls. I mean, it's, it's almost impossible in any game of football to have, not have a single holding call. It's, it's not possible. And it's especially not possible against like, a line that is just packed full of rushers who are going to get by guys. It's, it's, the officials should have told themselves in the, at halftime, at the start of the fourth quarter, they should have said, guys, we have zero holding calls so far in the Chiefs we got to keep an eye out here for something because this doesn't make any sense. But if they're going to play a game against them where there's no holding calls, then no, there's no way. Because the only way they're going to be able to stop Mahomes from being Mahomes is to get a lot of pressure on him consistently from places that he doesn't expect the pressure to be on him. And the reality is they were one play away from winning that Super Bowl, basically. It happened to be on a play where there's clearly holding on Bosa. And if there hadn't been holding on Bosa, Mahomes doesn't like complete that th huge third down play and the Super Bowl is over. But it's not to blame the officials, but it's just to say there are scenarios in which they could beat them. The scenario in which they played them is not one of them. You're right. That isn't you knocking on the officials. That's a 49ers fan knocking on the officials in a Super Bowl game. 
I mean, I don't, I don't think they can beat the Chiefs, whether you want to blame the officials or not. I don't think they do. And, I mean, who's not to say next time the Chiefs just don't start poorly? I mean, they could – I just don't think they've done enough to stick with the Chiefs. Chiefs didn't start poorly in the Super Bowl. Chiefs, Chiefs scored their opening touchdown. Yeah, but then did they score the next one? Yeah, I mean, what qualifies as starting poorly? Being down in the third quarter is starting poorly now? Being down in the fourth quarter? Yeah. Because it, yeah. it was basically, a, it, like, it was the third quarter when the Niners kind of, and that's not even getting onto that whole, if you really want me to complain about the officials in the Super Bowl. No, I don't, because the, I don't want to listen one is to the, a Niners fan complain. The, I have to listen really, to it all the time anyway, so I don't want to listen to it while we're talking on the podcast. The really egregious one was the uh, push-off that they called on Kittle. Oh, that was a clear push-off. Okay. He almost knocked him out of the stadium. <laughs> and then, like, they had the week before or whatever when uh, – what was that in the Vikings-Saints game or, or two weeks before when uh, – when they there was that non Rudolph call pushed off and it was no yeah. call. that one was the wrong call the Kittle call was the correct one the Rudolph okay. call was clearly wrong okay but at least they're I, I want to get I want to get on one thing real quick I have to stop you with your annoying Niners talk I think here's my hot take I think the Cards finished second in this division. I think they finished ahead of the Seahawks. They had a great offseason. You get DeAndre Hopkins, who you now have Hopkins and Fitzgerald. They got Isaiah Simmons, who I was begging the Giants would have taken. And, of course, they didn't. Um, David Johnson, I just don't think, was happy there. And I think it was just in a bad situation. So I think moving on from that isn't really going to hurt them. Uh, Kenyon Drake looked good anyway. Uh, so I think they're definitely going to be the most improved team in the NFL this year. Whether that's enough to make the playoffs, I don't know, but I think you now have a full year with Kyler Murray. And I think, I think Kyler Murray is going to do a lot better than most people think he is. He looked a lot better the last like six games of the season, like the last third of the season, he looked pretty decent, you know, and he's in a new system and he's a rookie. So I think having a good team around him, I think they're going to be really improved. And I think they will beat the Seahawks for the number two spot. And the, the stat I had for you that I wanted to share, I don't know if you saw it, but Larry Fitzgerald has more career tackles than he does drops. Did you see that stat? I didn't. So one that shows how great his hands are, but simultaneously it shows over the past 15 years, how bad the Cardinals quarterbacks are throwing interceptions. How many tackles do you think he has? Oh, I mean, you, you, you can, you can do it pretty well because you have to understand he has more tackles than drops. So you can go off of how many drops you think he has. I'm going to guess, yeah, I, I probably would have guessed way, the fact that you've given me that stat first. I'm going to say he has 86 tackles. How many drops do you think he has? Over the course of his career? Yep. 70. 
So he has 39 career tackles. Who is keeping the drop stat on Fitzgerald? This is what I he want. He only to know. has 29 drops. Is this like one of those and, things where is this like one of those things where like the home like the home team like uh, scoreboard guy records is in baseball like records what an error is and the same no. like John John Stockton like got his assists like when John Stockton yeah. would play a home game for the Jazz it would be like oh John Stockton looked at the ball so that's an assist is this one of those things where they're like there's no way Fitzgerald could have caught that we can't register that as a drop and they'll be like it hit him in the numbers and he was like no one around him they're like no 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 and Larry doesn't drop the ball I don't know who does it. But I do know it has been since he was in college that he never drops the ball. That's like his been his thing. So I I mean, I mean I that's what did you say? It's really 30. low. So so it's twenty nine drops in two thousand two hundred and sixty three targets. So wait, how many seasons has he played? Fifteen. I don't know exactly. I forget. But twenty nine I mean, drops made, over. They made this. They made the Super Bowl. What in two thousand eight, two thousand nine? He was playing then. Yeah. Um, so, like, say approaching 15 years, like right around 15 years. So, it's so he under has basically two, one, it's, one drop it's, it's like, per 100 targets. So, but it's under two drops a season. Probably, yeah. But one out of every 100 targets he drops. No, that, that if that under two drops a season. He's got hands. Oh. Well, I have hands, too. <laughs> but I still drop the ball. You know, you know why he's so good, Eddie? He he tapes he, he tapes tennis balls to his hands, and he can still catch it. So then, during the game, when he takes the tennis balls off, it's so easy. That's where Joe Judge got it from. Ah, makes sense. So the last question I had for you in this division: Are we going to see the decline? of the Rams and the mastermind that is uh, – what's his face? McAfee. Sean McVay. McVay. McAfee. Why did I say McAfee? <laughs> McVay. <laughs> Names are tough. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, I always thought Sean McVay was a little bit overrated, the initial reaction to like – crowd him as the next genius um and it's gonna sound bad right because you're just gonna accuse me of being another Niners fan but I do think that when you look at the Niners there's more coaching influence there and more adaptability and more variation you know in like there's it's much more unique in the approach that they take I think the Rams will be decent I don't think they're gonna be off I don't think any team in this division is gonna be awful I just I think the Cardinals are going to be the worst team in the division, but I think they're still going to be good. So I have the Rams as being last in this division. And you're right. I mean, it could still be a decent last place team, but I think you're sorry. I think I think the honeymoon is over with that team. Yeah, I mean, in a way, this is the only reason why picking – because, I mean, I th obviously I think the Niners are really good, but the only reason why picking a winner in this division is even more challenging is because genuinely I think any of these teams could beat each other if the best version of one of them turns up and the other one is a little bit, 
you know, below par on that day. Like, I mean, the Niners are opening the season against the Cardinals, and the Niners are very – I was surprised to look at the odds and see how heavy favorites the Niners are against the Cardinals. And, you know, it's obviously – I mean, the Cardinals beat the Niners once last year, It's I think, um, didn't they? But either way – or no, they came close, and then – They came close, the, I think. And the Niners came back from 16 down or whatever. But the the Niners – like it's not inconceivable that the Niners lose to the uh, the Cardinals, and so that to me is the the challenging thing is you could lose four, you could lose three or four divisional games without being that bad and without playing that badly. Who's your uh, Who's your pick then, Sam? Um, sounds a bit simple now, but basically, I just had the Niners over the Seahawks. Those are the top two. Well, Sam, that means. Uh, you and I have agreed on every divisional pick. Yeah. <laughs> and, and we have two divisions where we disagree with Frank. Pretty strongly, right, if I remember? So, um, Pretty you know, what, sorry, the ones? Well, you were saying the Cardinals, um, and then the other one no, was... No, no, I think no, no, the no, Niners he, win he, the division. Yeah, yeah, he thinks the Cardinals uh, don't finish. The he Lions, the right? Finish second. There's the Lions, that was it. Yeah, NFC North, we disagree, where you have the Lions and we have the Vikings. And AFC South, you have the Texans and we have the Colts. There you go. Yeah. I would say I would, I would take the Texans or the Titans over the Colts. That's how little I favor the Colts. That's cool, but you can't pick two teams in a four-team division. No, I'm just saying <laughs> I would have the Colts third before I'd have them first. Okay, that's fine. But if they finish second and the Titans finish first, you don't get to then say that you, you don't get to say that you called it. <laughs> but you still lose. <laughs> yeah, we, we both lose in that scenario. Can, or can I change my pick to just laying the Colts? <laughs> no, you can't just take the field. The field. <laughs> I'll take seventy-five percent of that one. <laughs> No, I don't need the that, Jags. You can keep the Jags. Because in that case, I'll just take. There's a few divisions. I mean, like we all picked the Eagles, right? Who are second favorites in the division in the NFC East. In that case, I would just take the field versus the Cowboys. All right, I think that's a pretty good breakdown we've given here. So then, I guess real quick, then your pick to win the Super Bowl is Niners over Chiefs again. Niners, Bills. Wow, that's a terrible pick. <laughs> what a <laughs> shitty Super Bowl that would be. Two of the most bland, boring QBs ever. No, realistically, yeah, I think it's Niners-Chiefs again. And the Chiefs will be the favorites. I think the Niners will win. But uh, as I said in the AFC East preview, I think the Bills are going to be surprisingly not surprisingly because obviously a lot of people think they're going to be good and they're favorites for the division but i think the bills could make it to the super bowl if i get if i have if i'm able to do a little bit what you're trying to do and i can throw in a sort of yeah. second scenario then i'm okay i'm i'm saying niners chiefs but niners bills is my second most likely option i'm going chiefs over the saints in the Super Bowl. I'm also tempted to go the same, say the Chiefs go undefeated. Uh, but that usually goes well with you when you say teams will go but undefeated, there's, right? There's obviously a risk with Mahomes being the type of player he is that he misses a game or two. And I think that obviously changes the whole dynamic of that team. 
so I won't I won't go that far. I don't want to jinx them. So I went Chiefs Niners again, but I guess as my second, it would have been the Chiefs Vikings. As a who are you picking to win? Uh, the Chiefs in both scenarios, I guess, of Super Bowl variations. I'm going Chief Niners or Chiefs Vikings, but the Chiefs win both variations. What a surprise. Sam, the COVID denier, decides to put Kirk Cousins in the Super Bowl. <laughs> I mean, those are inspiring words like survival of the fittest, right? <laughs> and what a surprise. Frank, the rabid racist, decides yeah, to put Drew great. Brees in the Super Bowl. Thanks. Uh, what a surprise. Eddie chooses the handsome playboy quarterback to go to the Super Bowl. That's right. I looked at, I looked across all the quarterbacks and I was like, which one of these reminds me the most of myself? And I had to put Jimmy G in the Super Bowl. Which one of these would I most want ripping my belt off at a conference? <laughs> Jimmy G. Frank, <laughs> Jimmy, G Jimmy, Jimmy G would not have to rip my belt off. Wait, I my belt would idea. never be on. I thought the idea was that this was like subtly done the belt thing. <laughs> now you're at like an event where you've just got guys running around ripping people's belts off. Yeah, I'm not sure Frank understood the idea. But yeah, no, there would be, if, if I'm ever in a room with Jimmy G, no belt will be on. All right. Well, that wraps up our preview. Again, it's not this weekend, but next weekend starts the NFL season. So we can do our some of our highlights and our picks for week one uh, next Thursday. And then next week we're going to drop a top five sports movies. Uh, so each of us are going to put together a list and we see if we agree on any movies in our top five sports movies. Do you think, do you think we'll have any in the top five together? I do, but I also, before I think of my list, what are we classifying as a sports movie? Okay, so I, that's a great question, Andy. Sports has to be a prominent feature of the movie. So there can be other aspects of the movie, but it has to be kind of what the movie revolves around. So like The Sandlot is a sports movie. Because Here's my it question. highly revolves around. Yeah. So I don't consider, for example, I know that the world loves to think of Die Hard as a Christmas movie, and I don't think of Die Hard as being a Christmas movie. No, it's not if a Christmas the, movie. So, but it, the equivalent, the equivalent sports theme in a way that Christmas is a, is a theme within Die Hard, it wouldn't be a sports movie. Do you see what I mean? Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I mean, because Christmas has nothing to do with the movie or the plot or anything. It just happens to be the day. So for instance, in an equivalent, if there was like, if the movie were a terrorist situation at a stadium, I don't consider that a sports movie because there's a terrorist attack at, at the NFL stadium. That's a shame because I think Munich was going to be my favorite sports movie ever. <laughs> was it going to be the Batman movie? What is it? Oh, yeah. the, the Bane one? <laughs> yeah. When, yeah. Yeah. Well, mine was actually going to be like day after tomorrow when you start seeing like the baseball stadium just collapse in on itself yeah does that answer the, your question though it does yeah okay like i can't, so, I can't it, pick, like i can't pick the great escape because they play baseball in this scene yeah no no 
And then the other thing I think we should clarify is I'm going to make it my top five favorite sports movies, which is a little different than maybe what could be the top five best sports movies. I want to do best. Okay. I'm going to do favorite. You can do best. Well, it's hard to debate it. If, if you say my favorite's this, I can't argue with you over your opinion of what you like the most. So I think it's better to do best because that way we can disagree and it can be based on something best, more than best. But in what sense, like best as in most entertaining or best as in like the production value is the best. I don't care about the costumes. But I, but I think if you you just argue for whatever reason, you get to present that. Okay. So if you, if okay. you decide that you know Mighty Ducks three is the greatest sports movie of all time. Oh my you god, get. the third one, Eddie? Are you out of your mind? <laughs> oh my god, get well, out of here! You want to present it? You argue it. <laughs> exactly. Whereas if you just said Mighty Ducks three is my favorite sports movie of all time, because you happen to see it the summer you got your first kiss or whatever, or someone finally teaches you how to taught you how to blow on your thumb for over ninety <laughs> seconds, like that's not going to be that's not going to be something I can argue with. There were, if I could blow day, on my thumb for really ninety seconds, I'd, I'd be in the Olympics. <laughs> for what? I'd be, I'd be holding. <laughs> I'd be holding David Blaine's leg right now. Frank, I mean Sam, don't don't deny Frank his ultimate dream of being in the Special Olympics. <laughs> the thumb blower. So, real quick, the reason I've decided that we should do a top five is Eddie's favorite um, rival, The Ringer. Right, Eddie? That's 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 your favorite. I mean. <laughs> A, calling them a rival is very generous to us. But um, Bill Simmons is someone I've, I've had a love-hate relationship with Bill Simmons now for, like, I guess, nearly 20 years. He doesn't, he's not aware of this fact. Although I did get mentioned on his podcast once from a, from a, reader, from a reader email, proudest moment of my life. But that being said, uh, yeah, Simmons, Simmons and the Ringer have a prominent place in my in my the part of my heart where I hate things. So the the Ringer did. They just released the results. They did a teen movie bracket. Did you guys see this? Any of you see that? No, I did not. No. So they put out a bracket of the top sixty four teams uh, teams movies that were considered teen movies. And this Eddie was one where teen movie is debatable for a lot of these but they basically made four categories and each category was like a quarter of the bracket. So one was adulthood. One was what's your damage, which apparently is just all female driven teen movies. Another one was teens are terrifying. So that was ones that had some sort of like murder killing, like scream. They considered one of them. And the other one was high school dramas. So I'm just going to go the elite eight. And you tell me what your picks would be. So in the high school drama, the two finalists were Ferris Bueller's Day Off and The Breakfast Club. I would pick Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Yes. Same. Okay. I don't have a strong opinion on them. They're both good movies, but I would pick Ferris Bueller's Day Off. So this was voted on, I think, by like Instagram, Twitter, and just an online poll. 
you are with the majority. They voted Ferris Bueller to go to the final four. In the teens or terrifying group, it was Scream versus this, I think, is arguably the, the toughest one to call a teen movie, Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire. Okay, that's not a teen movie in any shape or form. I mean, Scream, in a way, is like barely a teen movie because I don't actually think of them as being teenagers. That's like, the issue. The they're actually in high school. <laughs> yeah, you don't think of it. And but they're 30-year-olds. <laughs> yeah, and there's also like a lot of like adult characters within the movie. And yeah. the fact that they're in school is never really a big part of it. Hmm. But I would I'd scream. It's, but I mean, the other one's... The other, the other one's, one's dead on. Yeah, the other one's dead on arrival. Like it's it's not a it's yeah. not even. I would vote Scream because I think it's the only one that's a teen movie. I love Harry Potter, but I couldn't vote it. I mean, it's it's, it's, it's basically as if it's like Beyonce versus me, and the category is like sexiest black woman alive. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> I don't know, Eddie, that category with you in suddenly makes it a bit tougher. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. You can love me right. a lot, but I'm probably not winning that one. So you, you both agreed with the majority, or we all agreed that Scream moved on. The what's your damage category, this is a tough one. Mean Girls or Clueless? Mean Girls. I'm going clueless, but that's not, again, not because I think necessarily it's a better movie, but I have to think of like my own personal nostalgia and clueless. I'm, I have more fond memories of clueless than I do with mean girls. Yeah. I would have to, I, I love mean girls. So I would go mean girls, but clueless is, is a pretty decent movie. And it's one of the first Paul Rudd movies as well, who probably looks older in that movie than he does now somehow. But the majority of the group went Mean Girls. And then the last side of the bracket is, this is, I thought, the toughest one out of the Elite Eight. Superbad or Dazed and Confused? Uh, super bad for me. Here's the thing is, in a way, I'm going to say, of the whole list you've given, Dazed and Confused is the best teen movie that you've named where like it's more reflective of the kind of teenage experience, but I'm going to pick super bad from my personal, which one would I rather watch? Like if you put the TV on right now, which one do I want to watch? I'll pick super bad, but I think T I think days and confused is like ultimately the best teen movie on this list. Yeah, this, this would be, this is super tough for me. I love days and confused. And it's weird because a lot of the people who love Days and Confuse are, you know, like you have that huge stoner crowd and everything like that. And I mean, that's not me at all. <laughs> but there's just something about Days and Confuse that is, it's just such a good, good movie. Having, like, I, I anytime Days and Confuse is on, I'll, it's on, I'll watch it. Having said that, super bad to me with like, growing up and when it came out and everything like that could be one of the most influential movies in terms of, you know, like all of our friends repeating quotes and repeating lines and, you know, like when we would watch it and just crack up. And it's, I think it hits that nostalgia for me where it's just like the perfect, it was like the perfect time, perfect type of humor. So I'll have to go super bad. So that leaves, and that's what, the, and surprisingly the majority voted super bad. 
So you have Ferris Bueller's Day Off and Scream. I think we can both pick that one. I mean, I would rather, again, I'd rather probably watch Scream, but in terms really? of teen, yeah, probably. But in terms of a teenage movie, like teen movie, it, Ferris Bueller's Day Off should obviously be the winner. Yeah. So the majority voted Ferris Bueller's Day Off and then Superbad versus Mean Girls. Superbad. I'm actually going to flip and I'm going to, even though I didn't vote for Mean Girls in the previous round, I'm going to vote for Mean Girls here. (laughs) The majority voted Superbad. Also another tough one. Mean Girls is another great teen movie. But Superbad's just too fucking funny. Um, and then Ferris Bueller's Day Off versus Superbad. I'm guessing I'm Ferris Bueller. I'm going to vote Ferris Bueller's. Surprisingly, Superbad was the winner. I mean, I guess the, the issue here, right, is that most of the people voting on this are probably under 30. So that probably hurts Dazed and Confused. And it probably hurts in a matchup of Superbad versus... Ferris Bueller's Day Off, it probably hurts Ferris Bueller too. Yeah. Yeah. So according kind to of the for that reason that you t- for that reason you touched on, and, and like we each kind of gave that at different moments too. Even if you think the other movie is better, if a movie if a teen movie came out when you were a teen, you're far more likely to relate to it. Like it'd be weird oh, for yeah. me now to watch a teen movie and watch this story about fifteen year olds and be like, God, this really speaks to my life. <laughs> yeah, I agree. That's funny. Yeah, so in honor of the Ringer doing their team movie bracket, we can do our top five best sports movies next episode. So start thinking. All right, I've already got my number one. Wow. But I'll save it. Please save it. All right, well, until then, boys, talk to you later. See you.